Welcome to another edition of the Royal of the Lions UK podcast, episode 254, Accountability. My name is Matthew Turner, alongside Anthony Fitzpatrick, Ryan McCluskey and Ashley Soden. How are you doing, boys? Doing good, doing good. Ryan's dying. We're starting off the show with a live death today, apparently. <laughs> That's better than the Washington PR team. I'm all right, yeah. You good, Anthony? Yeah. I, yeah, I'm not too bad. I've, I've been dealing with a chest infection this week, which is bad, but it's also good that it's come like a week after my ribs healed. Like, as long as the two didn't overlap, I was fine. So I'll take that. I'll take one after the other. But I just, I'm kind of ready to get better fully now, but it's just been such a pain. So I've, I've tried to make myself better by sitting and watching draft tape all day, and that's made me feel better. Like, it's good, good for my soul. Michael Lucci's is calling the show chest infection, which is which is good. Ash, how you doing, mate? I'm doing okay. Instead of the chest for me, it's not the chest, it's the legs. Still aching from getting my football tryouts on Saturday. But we'll get there. One day you will see me make a pick six and it'll be a great moment. But then again, you, you probably also see me get burnt four times like Cam Sutter before that. So swings of roundabouts. And then you'll have more career highlights than Trey Flowers. Yeah, uh, yes. Crossing uh, off the bingo card, guys. Uh, I think that's the earliest we've got it ever got it in. Christ. Let's get on with the show. And it's going to be a really packed episode. So if you're thinking it's the off-season now, there's not going to be too much to come. How wrong you are, sir or madam. How wrong you are. This is going to be a packed show full of all of the news. And there has been a heck of a lot of it in the last week. Uh, then we're going to have a look at the Super Bowl, briefly going to talk about those two teams, of course, who play both of them, so we are very familiar with what's going on there. And then we're going to be talking about the Lions camp situation for 2024, where they are now, the almost certain moves they're going to make, what the draft is going to cost us in terms of cap, all of that sort of stuff, and what holes it leaves us. And then in a future episode, we're going to use that data and we're going to feed that into what we think is going to happen for free agency. So it's all going to be a progression here. And myself and Ant, we've got together. We've decided, roughly speaking, what the show should be between now and the draft. Of course, the draft is only 12 weeks away, which is absolutely nuts. It's not long as ago. We're going to have the best coverage, at least this side of the Atlantic, but we're going to have some of the best coverage anywhere for the draft. So it needs to come and listen to us the whole time. The College Football Podcast is going to keep going for some time on their own, looking at prospects in a bit more depth and generally, whereas ours is going to look a bit more Lions-specific, I know, but it's going to be huge. And, and College Football Podcast obviously had the uh, Senior Bowl to look at. What's coming up in the next few weeks for you guys? Um, so it, it's a review of the two All-Star games. So the Shrine Bowl and the Senior Bowl were both last week. So it's kind of reviewing both, which players we thought did well, which didn't, the games themselves. So it, it, it's going to be a review of those two. And we're open to requests as well. So if anyone wants us to do anything, let us know. But yeah, review of the All-Star games this week. 
Yeah, if you do have any requests, you can find us on our Twitter and just DM us. The DMs are open there. Or you can join us on our Discord channel and just message us directly within the Discord. So the link for that is in the live chat. We're going to have lots of great content about draft stuff. So come and join us there. There's nothing more electric than mock draft season, which has now started. So come and join us. And please don't forget to like the show, like this episode, sub to the podcast and all of that good stuff. I won't bore you with that now. And with Twitch affiliated YouTube monetized, there's a tip jar down below if you're enjoying what listening to you through the show and you want to show some love. That would be much, much appreciated. There's also a feedback form, especially at this time of year. If you've got some suggestions for content, especially coming to the summertime in between, you know, draft and OTAs or after OTAs and before camp, you know, would love to hear from you because we're very open to taking requests, as we say. And the merch store is available too. We had another couple of orders come in. It's been doing really good stuff. I'm going to try and look into doing some new stuff. So if you've got any suggestions for anything that you might like to come on the store, then I'm open to that too, but the link's in the live chat right now. News. And not too long after the Super Bowl, uh, after the championship game and after we did our review of it, Ben Johnson decided that he is going to return to the Detroit Lions, turning down both Washington and Seattle. Both sides have decided that they're going to try and spin this in their own way, having two sides to their story, God knows how it really went down. Bits and pieces are coming out about that. How reliable is it? How biased are people? I'll leave that hanging. Uh, but both sides decided to go in in, dif- on, in separate ways. And the, both those teams have now made their own hires, which means Aaron Glenn, boys, is returning now as well. I mean, there's been a lot about Ben Johnson today, boys. And I know that Ant's name, and you guys on the audio show won't have heard this yet, Ant's name pertains to this. So I'm going to go straight to Ant. But... Ben and Aaron returning, first of all, is huge for this team because at the end of the day, even if you don't like Aaron Glenn, a change breeds a lot of learning in camp. Continuity makes a big difference. Yeah, and it it, it made a thoroughly miserable few days like a lot happier. Um, because I remember when it broke, it was just before I went on LNU with Mike and we were both like really depressed when we got on the stream and then like before we went on the show we were overjoyed and it's it's great news because you know for years and years and years we've been told Detroit is a place no one wants to come none of the respected coaches none of the high risers no one really wants to come here and in three years we've gone from that to been a place where like highly respected coaching candidates you know hot shot coordinators want to stay and finish the job with us. This is two years in a row now. Ben may, I mean, you know, Ben could have gone and got the Carolina job last year, gone straight up into head coaching, had a hell of a career trajectory there for him, would have been great. And he made the bet to come back here because he believed in the project. And look what happened. He got to an NFC championship game. His star is even higher this year. And Frank Reich's already been fired from the Panthers. Like he just had a terrible season and like he's done for. That could have been Ben. And I think he's, you know, he's smart enough to know when the right opportunity is going to come along for him. And he's obviously weighed up his options this time. And he's like, you know what? Staying here another year, trying to get the Lombardi is is best for me and my long-term interests. He's, he's not found a head coaching job that interests him as of yet. He's a smart guy. So, you know, I trust him in his evaluation for that. He's, he's going to wait until he's, he's ready for us. Obviously, it's great. You know, he's brought out the best in Jared Goff, the best he's ever played. 
the offense, it, it, it has its down moments at times, but for the last two years, it's been one of the best in the league consistently, puts up a ton of points. You know, there's so much development from the guys. You know, everything sort of grows in regards to that every year. So having him back for the consistency standpoint is is huge for us. We'll give him more weapons. We'll give him more toys to play with. And we'll get more out of him. And for Aaron, it, it's big for him as well because his his ride-up has not been as smooth. You know, there's, a, there's, there's an argument out there that he's not had the talent at his disposal to work with. Uh, that Ben has, um, and it's taken longer to see results with him. But we kind of saw at the end of the year um, his plan come into progress. The defense looked a lot better. Like the run game has been tremendous this year. It was a big problem twelve months ago. The, the the big glaring hole is in the secondary, and you know injuries kind of robbed us of having the potential to fully see that this year. No, no Mosley and no CJ for the most part. Just just kind of wrecked things and. And even then, we've still seen guys emerge. We've still seen corner pieces for the future, you know, emerge out of this. So, you know, if if you go into the offseason now, you give him, you know, maybe even up that discrepancy a little bit, give him his fourth year, third, fourth year, and then, you know, we might see the best iteration of a defense going forward. Yeah, the players love him, and they are getting better when they give him more to work with. So... For us, yeah, we're working the same coaching team that's just taken us to a championship game. That that's a good thing. That that's never ever ever a bad thing. Like Ben's always been good. Aaron's getting better. You know, let's run it back. Let's see what we can do. Strangle all the way this time. But that made my week so much more nicer knowing they were coming back. And screw the commanders because I don't believe you for one second. Anything you're saying about him, you're a dirty, low life, lying organization that just doesn't know what it's doing right, and it's just shown itself to be very petty, very vindictive, and more bothered trying to slander his name than talking up your next coach. So screw you. We've got the guy. He's ours. You're gonna suck. Maybe the Washington team have a lack of command. Anyway, Ryan, um, what do you make of it all, man? I mean, Ben's coming back and there's been a lot of fire this way and that, you know, it's really popping off on social media, but mainly as Ant's just been alluding to, it's been driven by Washington directly, centrally from their organisation. I don't think Ben wants to be a head coach. If I'm perfectly honest, I'm I don't, I don't get why second interviews are set up, to be honest. I just don't think he's that interested. I think he's wasted his own time. And I feel like they feel like he's wasted their time, to be honest. I don't, the whole nitpicking, all that BS, that don't bother me. But no, the more I look at it now, the more he's turned out loads of vacancies. I don't think he's as bothered as people think he is. Like, unless he's holding, like, if he's holding out for like this stellar job that may never appear, then. But a lot of good jobs have come his way and he's turned them down. Like Honestly, Seattle would have been a great job. I actually think they've gone with a better height. I actually think what Mike McDonald's done with the Ravens' defence and they're like the key talent they've got there, I think he would have been a better hire than Ben Johnson. I think they do need a good defensive guy to work the talent, so I think that's good. But yeah, I'm happy Ben's returning. I think I'm not that worried about losing, even if he has a good another year. I'm less and less worried about losing him next year. I actually think some teams may look at this, whether they believe it or not. They could be put off by it. He actually may be less desirable next year. And that may be through no fault of his own. That could be because of what Washington is saying. On the flip side, I don't think anyone actually wanted Glenn. 
I was never worried about Glenn leaving, if I'm honest. And I'm also not really bothered about him staying. Right. The secondary, it blowed. Like you say, for the last five games of the year, we were still getting up like 350 like passing yards, like nearly week in, week out, even mostly for the playoffs. So basically, I'm going to give him a draft talent. I'm going to upgrade him. If we suck for week one or week two next year, I fire him instantly. He is on the shortest of leashes. I will give him some talent, but I will not make him like I will just burn myself with it. Like I say, he is on a hot seat for me. If we go out there and find him a, a corner upgrade, another defensive lineman to go against Hutch, for me, yeah, he's got a few weeks to prove himself to me. But I get him coming back. Like I say, right now, uh, yeah, we're pretty comfortable. It looks like Hannah's going to stay, I imagine, because like I said, the Patriots OC is the only position left, isn't it? I it. think so. I think the Bucks have filled theirs, haven't they? The um, filled theirs. Yes, I think that's the only one, and they're like, I can't yeah. see him going there. Why on earth would you go there to Matt Jones and Billy's happy? Because they're dog shit. That would be an awful mm. decision. That would be career suicide to go work in that chaos. But yeah, looks like we're going to retain everyone essentially, unless we lose uh, Randall L. But yeah, but I'm happy. Looks like 90 to 99% of this staff will be returning. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Just, yeah, just give, give Glenn some talent. If he still struggles, then you can make an executive decision. It's going to be a heavy draft on defence, I imagine. Yeah, you'd have to think so. Many thanks to Mike the Marine for subscribing at Tier 1. His 11th month says, I like this show a lot. Thanks, Mike. Uh, Ash, what do you make of all of this? Yeah, I'm glad Ben's coming back because we all know I love my offensive plays and now me and you have finally cracked the code of the tails. It'll probably be gone week one. We'll probably be back to guessing, but just having that as as we'll get into in a bit, what Dan said when he was uh, Brad was asked about it. He said, "Oh yeah, continuity is key," and that's true. Like Ben, for the most part, has had things pumped his way. Maybe, but at the same time, he's elevated talents because obviously Amon Ra wasn't drafted that high. He's turned him to a damn good receiver. Laporta went day two for a reason. Yeah, okay, we were higher on him than most, but he turned him into one of the best rookie tight ends ever at a position that is supposed to be impossible to have a really good rookie season in because it's so damn hard. Glenn, for the most part, has done that. Like, okay, he's had Lean sort of grow under him, but yet the secondary hasn't really. Like, we've had some players come in and show glimpses. Amani. On, not in the last year, but the year before, where he led the league in inceptions and again, good kind of season. Vildor this season, Jeff with his one good game against the Cowboys where he didn't play corn, he played box safety. He can get little bits, we just need the consistency for him. And I think part, I think the team is recognising that as well, as we'll get to on in a second with the next bit of news. I think they've brought in a guy that if Glenn does go, we finally got that option to step in and take that role, and at least until Shep perhaps gets a bit more into his wings and learns a bit more. Because if Glenn has to go mid-season, we might be a bit screwed on defense. Unless, as we'll get to in a sec, this hire becomes official, then we've got a backup plan. Yeah, there's a there's a question here from Ken that I just want to get to, which you know, 
pertains to what Ryan was saying about Ben and and not wanting to be a head coach or waiting for the right opportunity. And Ken asks, what team would have the pull to get Ben in your opinions? And I don't have a good answer because I really thought that job might have been LA. Yeah. But I mean... It holes in LA for me. Yeah. I think their offensive line is just not that good. It just hangs Herbert out to drive the week. I gen- I think Ben, if Ben's holding out for something that doesn't exist, then he's going to be in a coordinator for a long time. He's going to have to gamble next year. Like I said, for me, he probably wants, he don't want a rookie quarterback, so I probably thought he'd never want Bryce Young because Bryce Young is just a huge question mark and he's just a, a disaster waiting to happen. Herbert is the kind of guy, but then you look around him, they're cap strung, like you said, like, like Borsa and Cleo Mack there in Pom. So if he's holding out, I don't know what he wants. You can't find a team with a great offensive line, a top 15 quarterback, and loads of cap because they're not firing their head coach. <laughs> so I, it's going to be one of those funny ones. Like he's going to have to, he's going to have to compromise. And I'm not sure what he's willing to compromise on. I get with Washington, he's a bit, I suppose, if he does say that owners, he doesn't trust them because they're new or they're a bit pushy or a bit brash. But, they're the kind of vacancies that are going to be open, aren't they? Like, it's it's one of those things that I don't know. He could have drafted a quarterback, could have gone with Sam Howell, he's an alumni, but no, he's, he's passed on it. So I don't know what he wants or what he's looking for. I mean, you've got to figure, he's. I think he probably likes the structure that's in Detroit in terms of the head coach. They've got a very good owner. They've got a really good GM in terms of draft. You know, you've got the entire structure there in place. I think that's probably something he'd look for. Because, I mean, like, people say the Chargers are a snazzy job. But, I mean, they've not exactly been a good organization recently, have they? They've not exactly had much success. You know, they've, you know, during Telesco's time there and that, it was like nothing great happened and they're always held back. They've got a ton of massive contracts on the books there as well, which are going to hamstring him, especially on defense. So, you know, I th- I think he would want to go to an organization where they are, you know, where they're organized, like where they are, where, you know, where they've got good leadership structure, you know, good sort of pedestal to put him in place to go on and do something like that. I think that would be where he'd want to go. Out of all of them. The Chargers are not that. They've just got the shiny quarterback. That's why everyone wants to go there. But, you know. So, can I put a suggestion out there and see whether... There we go. That's exactly where I was... If Sirianni, because there were rumours he might have been in trouble, that feels like the right (laughs) organisation with a really good GM, the offensive line, not a rookie quarterback. I think he would do wonders with with Hurts. Andre Swift as well. I'd probably love to coach Swift because he didn't get much opportunity to work with Swift. No, we'd probably be gone to be honest. I mean, yeah. he's 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 a free agent now, isn't he? So yeah, yeah. and we got a fourth round pick for him, Brad. I don't know how the fuck Brad did that, but you know, <laughs> he did. And you, like, can man. you you can you remember those news stories as well? They should they just kept Swift. Why did they draft Gibbs number twelve overall? Basically, the same player. Uh, yeah, we've now we've we've now got one of the hottest commodities in the NFL at running back, and you've got a space on your roster. Well done, exactly. Yeah, Ryan, there was it, a question directed at you, by the way. Oh, sorry, Ash, you didn't actually answer this. Sorry, I was going to say 
my taking it is I don't think he's holding out for the right opportunity. It's kind of he it's gonna have to take the right opportunity to make him want to leave here. Whereas Bank said, head coach who believes in him, GM who believes in him, owner who believes in so much so that yes, last year when he turned down what most people saw as his dream job back in his home state, she gave him a pay rise. A, a, like whole staff around him, he's got Hank, who is one of, if not the best offensive line coach in the league. A, Q, a QB who he knows how to work with and trusts him in his input, but also he knows he can leave alone and will be able to run his offense pretty much perfectly. Great offensive line, great weapons to work with. It's going to take that perfect opportunity for making him want to jump rather than him sitting here spying his time like, oh yeah, I'm not holding out for this list of demands. It's rather he won't be swayed until the right thing comes around. Maybe like Philadelphia or if, I don't want to put this out there, but let's say Andy Reid wins this Super Bowl and the next one and then he retires. That kind of thing where it's got to, he's got to have the perfect setting for him to want to jump ship rather than just like, I have this list of demands, meet them, otherwise I'm not going to go. When he's being one of these, to quote, I think it was Ash Thompson on the DLP last week, he's not going to want to be one of these like tier one, tier two jobs where he's not going to get much like rope. He wants to come into situations where he's being trusted to continue this great system so Philadelphia obviously but they've got great offense maybe some Asian pieces on defense he might have to work that out but Kansas have got Mahomes it's going to be one of those I think where it's more he's happy being here and to be honest I think he's the inverse in Glenn as in he's a much better coordinator than he will be of head coach because I know some it might be some of the slander that commanders are put out there but I also back it he does seem sort of like one of the like a sort of ivory uh magician in the ivory tower kind of coordinators where he's kind of mad scientist doesn't really interact with the players like Glenn's the complete opposite maybe the scheme isn't perfect but he knows how to relate to the players now make him a much better head coach and he will coordinator so it might just be one of them where he knows his limitations as well he knows being a head coach at the pros isn't going to be for me because I just don't have that personality uh, personability maybe with all the roster that you need to be to head coach but I'm dadgum at scheming, so I know I'm going to stay here, what I'm good at, not overstretch myself just to try and get my name out there, just keep being a good coordinator, roll the money in that way, because imagine, yeah, imagine if he does go for head coaching job and it flops and he becomes kind of like a... Like a well, Brian Adam Flores, Gase. Things. Yeah, Adam Gase, exactly. Something like that, where he just ruins his reputation forever by absolutely fucking the job up. He can become a Hall of Fame coordinator easily if he sticks around and things carry on. So why ruin that? I think for me, someone said he's on the Sean McVay path of having three years as an OC before making the jump. And what links all of the people that you've suggested is that they all basically had one year of success and then jumped. Ben has proven over a long period that he, well, I say long period, two and a bit years. But I think that's enough evidence now to say that I think he will be a good head coach. And maybe not necessarily as good as he is an OC. Maybe there's something to what you're saying. But I think he'd back himself if he was going to do the job. But it's it's the if he's going to do that job. So I agree with you that he doesn't want to go until he wants to go because the opportunity is just, just right. Ryan, there was a question for you about Aaron Glenn just quickly before we move on. I was saying, how good does the defence have to be in ranking for you to be happy with Aaron Glenn? Because obviously the defence, in terms of total defense, PFF rank, all that sort of stuff, was above average. And so it, I, I, I don't know 
if for you it's more about ranking or if it's just about the eye test? How how do you see Aaron Glenn and and what success is? Rankings are irrelevant. Like they just don't mean anything. The fact that I need to see him like you need to see the the visible adjustments. You know, you need to see like mixing man and zone, not just not just sitting and hoping like something happens, like the the, the team give like the offense give one of the corners just something to gobble up, like like go and get. And primarily, will be down to the corners, the outside player. They will be the ones that either keep him in a job or the game fired. Mm. And it will be how he lines them up and how disciplined he keeps them. Because I, there's a mixture of like say he's not putting them in positions to win at times. They've also thrown him under the bus. So that is going to be the eye test, like. If comes on his cornerback two next year, starting week one, that means we've done something right. That means we've actually addressed the situation, which would be a good start. Whether that's through free agency, which I don't expect it to be, because I don't think a lot of free agents, top free agent corners, will hit the market. But for the draft, I think to save his job, I'd be willing to start a rookie like cornerback one. That's where I'm. That's why I'm targeting the draft straight away in round one. So for me, it will be the eye test, like. Rankings, I don't really look too much into. It will be, let's not make Nick Mullins look like a superstar and let him throw for 400 yards. He throws seven interceptions, but throws for like 800 yards in two games because the corners just get burned constantly because he's either got them too far off the line of scrimmage or they're not talking. He's not got them communicating properly. That'll be the kind of thing. So it's going to be a two-way street. They're going to have to help each other, but right now, end of the season, any flack there is, it's, it's going to be put on him because consistent stacked weeks of just giving up passing yards for just fun. Many thanks to Mile Marker for a $20 super chat that says, episode four, comma, a new hope, uh, square brackets, year four upcoming. I love that. I love that very, very much. Um, right, next bit of news moving on is that the Lions are reportedly signing the Titans' assistant head coach, that was a title added this year, and defensive line coach Terrell Williams to the Lions. The contract is not yet signed. It's just a verbal agreement. His role apparently is going to be the defensive run game coordinator and defensive line coach for the Lions. He was the assistant head coach of the national team at the Super Bowl on behalf of Tennessee. To me, it felt like that it was a verbal agreement so that he wasn't yanked out of that position at the Super Bowl because if he had signed with us, he would not be allowed to coach at the Senior Bowl. So uh, he apparently said he felt very strongly about seeing out his commitments in terms of that. So I believe that's why that's all happened, but he just hasn't signed yet. Senior Bowl, of course, only finished uh, yesterday. So pretty recently uh it's unclear at this time what this means for the incumbent defensive line coach john scott jr he has only been a year in the job it's been up and down season for the defensive line obviously hutch 100 pressures one of only five people to do that in the pff era ali mcneil has come on strong pascal came on strong down the stretch but some of the other guys had some really poor years especially some of the more peripheral edge rushes uh it could be that he's gone. It could be he transitions. We have no idea yet. Back to Terrell Williams. He has worked with Dan Campbell before. So yet again, another hire that he knows. He worked with Campbell whilst Campbell was the interim head coach in Miami in 2015 and was Brad Holmes's position coach at North Carolina A&T. So he is not, um, 
young in years, shall we say, because that <laughs> wasn't that recent. Um, boys, that this kind of came out of nowhere. We know that the scouting team of Brad Holmes puts a lot of stock into what coaches think about players. We always like the senior bowl. We didn't have a coach down there. And then suddenly we did have a coach down there. Did it did it come as a surprise to you? I mean, what, what do you think this means for John Scott? He's got to be gone. What could he transition to? Realistically, it was a it was a it was a D line coach at Penn State. That's why I was so excited to hire him because Penn State D line for the last few years has been so good, and this year we've struggled. So for me, I think it's pointless giving him another position. Just just cut ties. But the fact that we're losing a young, maybe up and coming coach for a what a long in the tooth guy. How old is Terrell? Forty nine. Oh, no, he's younger he, than I thought. <laughs> Yeah, I looked off and he could seem to be a bit shocked. Born in June 1974. Yeah, I don't want to gush because he hadn't signed yet. He could back out in a week. They could just, just restructure some. Looked at, but for me, yeah, we've seen issues with the D line. The whole the whole bugs debacle. Like that the whole D line, that just that just really upset. It just kind of soured the room for me. Like say the whole thing was just a mess. And I can't put that on John because Bugs just seems like a big fucking whiny baby. So good riddance to him. I was glad, but it just took too long to get rid of him. It was a pain in the ass for too long. And that was annoying. But yeah, guys like Charles and Julian, like the D line just kind of sucked opposite Hutch. Interior, like Hutch has been good. Everyone else, like, just not pulled their weight. And whether that's coaching, whether that's them, I can't really say. But yeah, I feel, I don't know, this is one of those moves. We'll see if it's a mistake or not in a year, and we'll see if he actually signs. But yeah, I expect some heavy draft capital, probably on the defensive line too, because there's going to be a lot of names leaving. We, uh, we need to clean house, honestly. Like, I think realistically, they're only keeping Houston, Benito, Aleem, Hutch, Pascal, Levi, you mean Levi? Everyone else is probably gone. Uh, Have I missed anyone? Nito is a free agent. I think he's a restricted free agent this offseason, so he's probably gone as well. Yeah, so you're going to have a big old overhaul. So Terrell's going to have a big job on his hands. But yeah, if he's been at the senior bowl, well, at least he's got eyes on the ground. Good start, I suppose. (laughs) Yeah, so um, so he's pretty young, so he's pretty much uh, started. Uh, he graduated in like 1995, and yeah, he's been coaching from three years after that. He's probably a grad assistant guy, he just worked his way up. He's been here, there, and everywhere. He's been Fort Scott, North Carolina A&T for the three years. Brad Holmes was there, including the time when I found this out, and so I was looking it up, into including the uh, 2000, where Brad Holmes was in a coma after a car accident and he didn't wake up and he was medically cleared to play in 2001. That's when I found out in my research. He was there, Young, uh, Youngstown State, Akron, Purdue, Texas A&M. Then he jumped to the pros with Dennis Allen, who's now obviously the New Orleans um, head coach. He was D-line coach under him. Then he was in Miami, as you said, in 2015, with Phil Bin and under um, Dan and then Gase. Jumped uh, to Tennessee in 2018 with Ray Brawl. And then, obviously, as you said, they jacked on the assistant head coach term last year, and now he signed with us. He's been there, and he's had stars pretty much everywhere in terms of the pros. Like, 
off the top of my head, I can't name anyone from the Raiders D line, but in that 2014 where he was the uh, his last year there, they finished uh, they ranked eighth overall in the NFL in rushing yard uh, in rushing yards allowed per play and finished second in TFLs at Miami. Obviously, that was when Wakam Wake and Sue had really big splashes under him. And then in Tennessee, that first year, eighth overall in yards per game, third in points allowed, tenth on third down percentage, and second best in the red zone. Like this guy gets the D line going and he coaches them up. So probably people probably heard that okay, yeah, the practices weren't that quick with him, but he focused on techniques of the sweat. He was a guy that people are probably going to be hearing a lot about in the next couple of months as a potential lion. He specifically helped coach him up on hand usage and stuff that sweat wasn't getting taught at Texas. He's a real technician, which perhaps stands up to what we need a bit. Because Scott, I can see him stick around. It might be a thing because looking at Williams, he usually works with three, four defences. He takes over sort of the interior defensive line while Scott maybe takes over on the edges. I could see something like that working. So then you can both have Hutch and work with Houston and the Sams as well. That might be a better way that things to go around. And as soon as we know, obviously, I'll probably put it in the Discord. But he also has alluded to He's got all this experience. If Glenn goes for one reason or another, if he's fired, so it comes up, he's a ready-made defensive coordinator replacement. Yeah, he's never actually physically done it, but he's been here, there, and everywhere. He's got enough experience to maybe be a defensive coordinator for a year, then maybe take a step back back to this sort of assistant defensive line role while Shep or someone else takes over the defensive coordinator job. Just gives us another wealth of experience on relative what's a relatively young Defensive coaching staff because John Scott's second year in the pros, Dre Bly's second year in the pros coming up from UNC. Uh, our safeties coach has only been in the league a couple of years before he became our safeties coach. And then Shep's third year's uh, pro coach. We need someone who's got that experience like Glenn, like what we had with Todd Walsh uh, Wash last year before he went to Carolina, just to be that wealth experience for these young coaches as well. And any thoughts on Terrell Williams? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll see what happens. I don't know what's happened with John yet, but yeah, I'm saying he's got good ped pedigree where he's been. D line's been good this year, but obviously in the edge department needs to get better. So maybe hopefully there's a role for both of them here where they can both have their input into it. Because I actually think he's done a decent job this year in his first year, given everything that's happened. So you know, he's he's not had Houston really to work with this year. Um, obviously the vets haven't really pulled their weight in that room either but the run game's been one of the best in the NFL and it wasn't in the years but it, like, it's shocking how much better it's been this year so we'll see what's happened with the moving but you know experience in the room is good all right. Uh, Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell have won executive and head coach of the year from Sporting News Sporting News conducted a survey of head coaches and coordinators, I think, around the NFL to vote for head coach of the year, as well as coordinator of the year and other awards. And the higher up executives were allowed to vote for the exec of the year. So no outside influences allowed and the Lions swept the two top awards, which is great news to hear. The Lions have signed 12 players to futures contracts in this last week. They are running backs, Jomar Jefferson and Jake Funk. Wide receivers, Tom Kennedy, Maurice Alexander and Doris Fountain. Fontaine? Don't actually know how you say Fountain. Fountain, thank I believe you. it's Fountain, yeah. Uh, offensive lineman, Connor Galvin, Matt Farniok and Michael Nies. Nice? Nice, not sure. Uh, defensive tackle, Chris Smith. 
Defensive end, Mitchell Agood. Uh, cornerback, Craig James, who sounds just like a Radio 1 DJ over here. Um, and safety, Brandon Joseph, who, for my money, is maybe the most exciting person on that list. Don't know if you'll agree, but anyway, we move, we move. Uh, on to maybe the more exciting part of what's happened in the last week, which is the Brad Holmes press conference. And if you have not listened to it, go and listen to it because Brad Holmes came out with AK-47s and shots were fired. Um, he began flexing on the journalists immediately. And I mean, I don't know. You could put it on a promo for WWE No Mercy because, like, he was having it with him. Uh, he specifically called out two Lions journalists. You can go and look at who but for being down on exactly what the Lions did in the drafts and how he was right, basically. He said it wasn't, and I told you so. But it, it very much was. That's how it came across. And um, he went on later on to explain what that means, because some of the journalists came back and basically said, is this and I told you so? And he explained it, and it was actually a running theme through the whole thing, where he said, the organisation preaches accountability, and we're proud of that fact. I'm accountable for all the picks that I make, for all the moves that I make, and for this organisation as a whole. So, I am going to stand up here and tell you guys if I think I've done wrong. And I'm going to tell you guys if I think I've done right. And everyone else in the room, players included, knows they have to pull their weight, and we will recognise them for doing so, oh, and we will have a go at them if they don't. Which is a great culture thing. You can see exactly where players want to be here comes from. It starts right from Sheila and it goes through Brad all the way down. He then directed that onto the journalists and basically said, you are also accountable for your takes. Now, he also said he doesn't want to do down the entertainment part of what's going on. And he knows that saying that the Lions are shrewd organisers who just make solid picks doesn't generate clicks. So he realises that it's a business. However, he basically said, if you're going to write it, be prepared for me to flex on you when you're wrong. Which was just funny. It was really, really funny. Uh, other quotes that he had in there basically said, uh, every move we make and every move we don't make is intentional. They said they make every move or don't make moves specifically for a reason. And we can get into that in a minute. He said there's not going to be many high-priced external additions. I do feel like high-priced and many are doing some heavy lifting because it still leaves room for there to be some and expensive, not expensive. What does that mean to you? Um, he also said... We don't want to focus just on one area where there's a need. That's how you get bad. We want to improve everywhere. So don't expect them to just focus on cornerbacks or pass rushing into oh, the stout interior defensive linemen or wherever you think there's a problem. And finally, two more things. One was, he said, as an organization, they take pride in talking to everyone about contracts because there was a question about Jared Goff and re-upping him. He said, we take pride in talking to everyone who is eligible for an extension which is a really weird turn of phrase if you're not including your third-year rookies, because otherwise it's just people who are out of contract. But eligible for an extension very much invokes the idea that they may be looking to extend Penne, that they may be looking to extend Amon Ra. Everyone in that first draft is now eligible 
to get an extension. And finally, Frank Ragnow was mentioned and pending retirement, Frank Ragnow potentially. And he basically said, we're going to give him all the room he needs. We're not going to push him to do something that his body can't take. He will decide what he wants to do. And we will respect that. And then went on to basically say the take was, are you looking at centers in the draft? And he says, we'd be stupid not to consider that possibility, but we're going to look everywhere and focus on every position and improve everywhere. So it was a wide ranging press conference, fellas, that uh, flexed on the journalists, talked about accountability, talked about Frank and free agency and the draft. The final quote, I guess, is it's a metacratic process. The players know they aren't given anything. You know, the players deserve to be here because they've earned it. And if they don't deserve to be here, they're going to be gone. Uh, Ash, I'll come to you first this time. What did you make of the overall press conference? Is there any other thoughts or reactions you have that I maybe am not summarised? Or do you feel personally attacked by anything that was said? <laughs> I love how you, you know, you know, I was personally, I don't want to say personally attacked. I was rightfully called out. So I could, I'll happily hold my hands up and defeat. Brad, prove me wrong. I was one of the ones who was calling for a move on the trade deadline. I wanted a corner. I wanted a pass rusher, just something to give our defense a little spark. And I was wrong. And I'm happily, I will happily admit that. Happily admit that. But it was just such a damn good press conference. Like, one thing I've taken from it, and it's it's an overall point, but the confidence Brad seems to have gotten over the past couple of years. Like, I remember his first press conference. He wasn't lacking for confidence then, but the sort of just the assurance he has in himself now in the moves, the fact he can turn around and call out some quite respected journalists in the in the room and be like, well, you got it wrong. You wanted to draft a quarterback. And it's getting the right kind of looks from the national media as well. So Arif Meriav, who um, he's quoted a couple of stuff. Some of the people I follow on Twitter just to get their bad takes have held their hands up and saying, yeah, I did a bad, I, you proved me wrong. It's getting the right kind of message out there. And combined with what we just said with Brent Johnson and getting in the Titans D-line coach, it's shown we are destination. If you come here and you play well, you're gonna get your you're gonna get your merits in that. It's just it's another great advert for this organization and for the city. He mentioned how shocked he was when he came here and he fell in love with downtown Detroit. And he thinks no, he should it hold because it was in the question even he was asked about oh yeah, you excited to hold the draft? He said he we should be hosting a Super Bowl, and he's completely right as. We're all going to see in a couple of in twelve weeks, as you quite rightly point out, we're going to be there experiencing it. He's just as much as Dan gets all the publicity week after week for epitomizing the organization. So does Brad, and I think today, for quite a lot, of, I don't want to say casuals, but the people who don't really take pay attention to Brad and what he says and what he does, I think he's really pulled himself even further onto the national stage as one of the premier GMs in the league. Ryan? Yeah. Almost. I still think, now I've seen it plan out, I still didn't see the point in all the people jobs trade. Even to this day right now, I still didn't see the value in it. Still don't, to be honest. I'm not, I wouldn't have gone out and gone chase young, but still would have liked a corner. As it panned out towards the end of the year, it did show it still was a glaring need. And the article, as I said, right, as it did say, if he was in total whiff for two and a half years, 
he was a complete miss because we mismanaged him and used him terribly. I say so they were right to criticize that throughout the last two and a half years. This like the back end half of this year was elite, but before that, it was a total waste because I think we mismanaged him. It was a poor system. So I he can say like I told you so, but yeah, we, there was some fair criticism, I think, on a, that selection. But I don't see many free agent splashes. I think we're going to tie down probably a lot of people. I think we'll probably tie down some people that don't expect. I'd say some of those third-year guys that won't have expected extension. They might want to get ahead of the market. If Mike Evans is going to get 25 to 20, 30 million, they might hand out Amon Ra deal first just to get in there, just to get a deal that works for him and the team's happy with. So I think a lot of our free cap space could be, you know, by tying guys down. And I'm okay with that. I, I don't think we'll make too many splashes, but yeah, I for me, centre just became a priority. Quite a big priority. I I thought before the end of the season that honestly I think Frank might consider retirement. I say he's pretty much I've taken things out of what he said in the last few months about playing through pain and how hard it is and off season he's gonna just try to get himself right. Didn't say get himself healthy 100 percent because that's not a thing for him anymore. I don't feel like. But yeah, we've got to think about replacing him sooner rather than later. He wouldn't just do it out of thin air and leave the team up shit creek, but let's not get too close to, oh God, we need a centre. Oh God, we can't find one. So yeah, that's quite important for me now. But yeah, I pretty much agreed with most things I said. Yeah, he definitely had right to push back at some critics. I say, I don't mind receipt keeping. I do it myself. I say, I'm not often wrong. But I say I am. I can be argumentative, <laughs> but like I, say, I I don't say stuff and I never back down from it. I always say it with my chest, and he did too. And I like that. And the fact that J, the fact that Dan and Brad won awards from other coaches and executives, they mean the most. They're the only people's opinion that really matters in football. The players, they're all they'll just vote for their friends in most things anyway. I don't trust their opinion. I don't trust writers' opinions. But coaches and GMs and assistants, they, they, their word holds a lot. It's worth its weight in gold. That was fair, but yeah. I think this offseason will be interesting. I'd say he's saying like he won't address just certain areas, even if he thinks they need work. Go broad. We'll see how broad he wants to go, how much he's going to move around. But yeah, I think we're in a, a very good position. I think a lot of the guys that are due extensions, even if they could basically ask for the world. I don't think they would because they know later down the line that will hurt the team. And if we have to backload some of this stuff, that's fine. If the window's opening, let's backdate stuff. Penis is about to be the highest paid offensive tackle in the league. I'm pretty sure there's no two ways around that. How high we're going to see, but yeah, I'd rather get these things done rather sooner rather than later. I'd like to know what we've got to work with before, like, as free agency starting. So if that means Jared, Amon Ra and Panay all get extended within the like, next eight to ten weeks, that's fine by me. They've all paid their dues and they've all earned what they get their bread. So, like, switch the ones on. I don't really care what Goff gets. I'm not going to really bat an eyelid or quarrel about half a million, 750,000. Like, just give me it. He's in it. If the contract's there, 
Guys like Jonah, yeah, I'm probably going to be a little bit tougher on, a bit stricter on, but I'd like to think they can get something done with him. Like I say, I don't think it's a priority. The offer's been there, apparently. Let him test the market and come back. I'm not going to chase him. I'm not even going to ask him. I'll wait for him to come back to the team, like say there. Let him do his do his due diligence. But yeah. Other free agents. Garner Johnson. Like, we'll see what he wants to do. Like, they'll probably sit down and have a word like, what would you want? What will we give you? So yeah, there's some interesting conversation to be had, I think, in the next month or two. And what did you make of it all? I mean, like Brad, Brad's verging on like man crush territory for me now. Like, just there's just something about Brad when he when he speaks, the way he talks that is just like you, you can't do nothing but love him. And like I said on Twitter, I don't want to live in a universe where he's not GM of this organization. Like, considering the crap we've had to put up with for decades and decades and decades, like to have this guy at the helm now is just so refreshing. I mean. You know, bringing out the receipts on everybody as someone, and I am completely anti-positional value when it comes to my draft beliefs and that to have someone like Brad who just comes out and basically tells everyone who thinks the same about positional value to go themselves, like, just brings a smile to my face. Draft good football players. Good football players. Great football players are worth first round pick. It doesn't matter where they play on the field. It matters that they're great football players. And, you know, for him to hold people to account like that, I love it because name me one GM in the entire NFL who's got the hit rate in drafts he has over the last three years. There, there is not one. And if I'm going to do the research, I would like to garner a guess that there's one who's not really particularly close. I mean, a few out, given how many picks you have in that span. But he's proven that he's a great talent evaluator ever since his days back in the with the rams he's proven that he is a great talent evaluator and he goes about it the right way doesn't matter where they play like you said he doesn't draft for need he drafts for the player you know like last year when we took jameer we just got monty like we didn't need jameer really in the grand scheme of things if you draft him for need at the top he was like right at the bottom of that list but he goes no we're gonna go and get him and we're gonna make our team even better and we had the best one-two punch in the league this year like that makes your team better and that's how he goes about his business and I think he's got every right to rub it in people's faces he's hot shit and he knows he is I don't mind that kind of brashness from a GM every now and then he's very reserved for the most part but gonna come out and do that that's absolutely great and I just love his plan for us in general like you said there might be no big splashes there but we have a lot of commitments coming up to our own and he keeps going on again and again and again and again you draft, you develop, you pay. That's how you build your culture. You bring your guys in, you develop them up, and you give them their just desserts at the end. You don't just let them go. So it is our year now where we're going to have to start paying people. He is going to have to operate a little differently. People expecting big, massive splashes will be disappointed, but we're going to be making big, massive splashes on our own. Like We're not bringing in expensive crap from outside like we saw under Quinn which burdened us for years, we're going to be paying studs on our team who are our players. There's a big world of difference between that. And if that's the way route we're going to go, we're going to go through the draft again. We've got four picks in the top 100. Like, I trust him to go out and get some more great players and we're going to look better for it this time next year. So, like, I just I just love his plan for us. 
and I just love listening to him speak. And I, I fully and implicitly trust him in what he's doing here. So, and people around the league, like I said, he's got his awards. People know how good he is. And I think he's going to revolutionize the way a lot of GMs think. I think a lot of GMs are going to look, take a long, hard look at themselves in the mirror and go, actually, you know what? We need more me players here. And it works because he's aligned with Dan as well. Like those two are picture perfect in what they want in football players. And when you're aligned that closely with your head coach and you can settle on them, then you know you're going to have a roster full of studs who you can work with and who are going to break the back for you. So, you know, I keep doing this method. In three years from having nothing, we're nearly there. So keep the process, keep trusting it. Don't try and hop, skip it. Don't try and take a shortcut to the end. It's like he says, that's where you'll come undone. So just carry on doing what you're doing. That's great. And then for Frank, it's he, I don't, he's not going to see out his contract here. I think we pretty much know. He's got three years left at this point. I was only 27. He's got three. He's contracted to 2026. 20, so he's got 24, 25, 26. Oh, okay. So... He's only, he's only just completed the second year of his five-year deal. They only signed okay. it in twenty. My bad. Well, yeah. So, you've got three years left on his deal. Yeah, I, I think at least you will get one more year out of him. He's got a long off-season now. You know, you think you know the toe injury is irreparable, but everything else is fixable. So you'd think if he'd got some time away, he's able to get himself in shape. And what you will probably look at doing this year, if the board falls in your favor. Because with Brad, you know, looking at offensive... Brad will pick great football players wherever they're found. We won't know what position. He'll pick great football players. Like, positions, we've no idea what he's going to do. If there's a guy there who fits their bill, who you can train long-term to replace him, because we don't really have a backup centre on the roster at the minute, that would be smart business to get one now and begin the long-term process. So that if in a year or two he does retire, you're covered. And, you know, so... I would expect them to maybe go down that route, but I don't think Frank's done just yet. He's he's a hard ass, and he's not going to have gone through the Patricia years, through the early years of this regime, through all the crap, just to get to this point now where they're nearly there, and though you know what, actually, guys, I'm out. Like he's not going to have gone through all that adversity to give up just as he's about to have his greatest success, hopefully. So I see him coming back and giving it at least one more try to see if we can get the Lombardi and we can hoist it up for him which will be absolutely great. So concerning, but Frank's a tough SOB. Like he's the toughest guy out there. He'll, he'll be back. For myself, just quickly on draft value, I think Brad Holmes does believe in positional value. It's just that he doesn't believe in your positional value and the positional value argument. So what I mean by that is if you have a look at the best teams around the NFL, they all have a game-breaking tight end. All of them. Baltimore, Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey at the Chiefs, George Kittle at San Francisco. They all have that guy. Tight end's such an important position. It's just there's so few elite guys that the hit rate's really low, and that's why the positional value is low, is because it's a it's a position where you're going to draft someone. And we know this very well. You think you get in the absolute world by drafting a guy in the first round, and then it falls flat. So sometimes, you know, you just have to bink one, but we absolutely have. Most of them have one, if not two, exceptionally good linebackers. Linebacker, really low value position, but there's like five to ten guys in the entire NFL who are really very good. Fred Warner obviously being one of them. Uh, 
one got two first round picks traded for him to go to Baltimore. Uh, you know, there, there are some guys who are just game changing people. And so taking a swing at that position absolutely makes sense. And all of the final four have exceptionally good running games. So running back is clearly part of that answer. So it's not that he doesn't consider positional value at all. It's more that he identified where he thinks people win in January and he picks those positions specifically because it was a it was something where he saw a need in us, even if we didn't see a need for it ourselves. His positional value is different to yours. It's not that he doesn't believe in it. It's just different. That's how I see it anyway. Let's move on to the Super Bowl fairly briefly because we've talked about both of these teams and let's face it, ugh. Um, and then we'll move on to the 2024 draft uh, cap position for the Detroit Lions. Uh, so the betting for the Super Bowl, San Francisco are favourites. Why? 13... They're the 30... world's biggest underdogs, don't you know? It's the greatest 30... Cinderella story of all time. 13 to 10 on San Francisco. That is plus 140. Plus 130. Uh, no, sorry, that's minus 130. Kansas City, 11 to 10. That is plus 110. Uh, San Francisco are two-point favourites on the spread. Over under is 47 and a half. Um, in terms of depth charts, I've got them up, but I can't be asked to retread them. We both know who plays for these teams and the game-breaking people they have on either side. We also know how well each team played in the playoff run coming up to this, boys. So some high-level thoughts about this game. Who do you expect to win? What do you think are going to be the decisive factors? How are you expecting it to go? And I'll come straight back to you first, mate. What, what do you think is going to happen with this? You know what, for the first time in a very long time, I have no inclination to stop up and watch the Super Bowl. I just feel like I'm going to sleep through it and watch it in the morning. I just I don't know if I can do it, but it's hard to look past the Chiefs again for this. Like the team is just built to win. Like it's been on the road to Buffalo, it's been on the road to Baltimore and you know these teams that are meant to be the next big things and, and Kansas meant to be having a down year. It's not going to be the strongest roster. It's not got the receivers. It's got drop issues. It's got yada, 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 all this stuff wrong with it. And they, they just churn out wins because they've been there. They've done that. They know what they're doing. The 49ers, have, they've lived a very charmed life in the playoffs. They should have lost to the Packers. They should have lost to us. And, you know, it's kind of... I think it's the inexperience of our, you know, because us and the Packers are incredibly young teams. Like, I think it's come down to inexperience there where we've let the game slip away from us um, and we've been exposed sort of in that regard. Kansas are not that. Kansas are multi-time Super Bowl winners over the last few years with a ton of vets on the team. And they've got the, the dark power, which is Taylor Swift behind them. Um, you know, that dark magic that is going to decide what goes on. You know, you can't beat that. That's it's going to be the thing here. She's coming all the way back from Japan to see Travis. It's going to be a big thing. They're going to hug and embrace. You know what it's going to be. Like, the, the script has been written for this one. I don't see the 49ers doing anything. Um, but no, been serious. The Chiefs are the ones who've been there and then done that. And the, the results they've had in the playoffs, I think it's them. I just can't see anyone beating them. They're, they're big game. They're big game team. Big game teams win the Super Bowl. Ryan? Uh, there's a lot of things I'd like to happen. I'd like both teams to lose. 
I'd like Taylor Swift's plane to get delayed by a storm so she couldn't make it. I'd like Brittany Mahomes to get escorted by security because I can't stand the gobby cow. Don't want to see her on screen. But what will happen is the Chiefs will win. Mahomes will absolutely knife them. Uh, Kelsey will just go ham. And Brock Purdy will flounder. He will shrivel up like a little, like a shrinking violet. Like I say, it'll be too big for him. Mahomes, I like CMC. I'd like him to win for him. I think he'll do pretty well. But Pacheco is just a fluke, a draft fluke. They just, they just took us, they just took a swing on him, and he has been just nothing but fantastic for his time there. And I think he will be the game factor. I think he'll break off a couple of big runs. I think he'll score at least one touchdown. He's just so shifty. I think he will be the factor. I think he'll have a huge day. Like I said, we started running the ball strong, and I think they can do that too. It's just how long they keep going in. But yeah, I think the Chiefs will win comfortably. I hope they do. I just can't see past them. Mahomes is just... He will just come alive. He will just think of the legacy of three wins in six years. Basically already a Hall of Famer. Like just his own inflated ego, the size of his head just getting bigger and bigger and swelling higher. It just it'll keep him up at night. It just it just will it just he will do it. Andy Reid will win and will retire. I think this is if they win, I think this is Andy Reid's last game. I think he walks away if they win. That's my hot take. Yeah. I'm going to watch it. I don't care who wins. Like I say, it just, it feels hollow. But it, it'll be a really good game. I'm going to watch it with an old colleague of mine. We've paid £25 a ticket to watch it in a sports bar, but I've been there each of the last five non-COVID seasons. And to, it's like going to watch a game in London or going to a bar before a game in London in that you've got like 200 250 people all supporting different teams with their jerseys out there all getting really loud for it and it's almost pantomime-esque in terms of i don't know when there's a sexy woman who's doing the halftime show everyone's like way and then they show the the male rapper and they're like boo and like it's just it's kind of funny and, and it, everyone's gets super drunk i've got the night off work i'm basically going to sob all my way through it as i'm like this could have been us and i will make my peace with this season after uh, during this game i'm going to eat everything all the wings all the wings will be consumed and all the drink will be consumed as well and then I'm i will not to... be watching a halftime show because i don't give a fuck about usher uh, yeah i reckon yeah stink yeah. yeah that yeah. guy yeah where did... <laughs> what, what retirement home did they pull him out of well, like Vegas, he's done a Vegas residency for like two and a half years. Like, yeah, he's getting like paid the world. Barry Manilow and those idiots with the Tigers. That's when you go to die, is a Las Vegas residency. Like, yeah, fair. Um, On to the game itself. And the only way I can pitch this is if, what? You didn't ask Ash. I have been setting up since Ant spoke a, very, a great joke that no one will get. It's fine. Go on then. Of course, Ant is going to pick out a key factor from someone whose fifth ever single was called Should Have Said No. 
but yeah, to say so. For me, we are, I have said my personal feelings about who I want to win the game many times. I want the Force Owners to win because I have personal hatred in my own personal life against the Kansas City Chiefs and Mahomes in particular. So please, Force Owners win so I don't have to hate that. But I know the Kansas City Chiefs are going to win. And it comes down to one thing I'm the special teams guru. The Chiefs have a way better kicker. Harrison Butker is 10 times the kicker that Jake Moody is. And if it comes down to a field goal, I'm trusting Chiefs way more than I'm trusting the 49ers. So it's going to be painful. I'm probably still going to stay up and watch. I'm going to decide if I'm going to watch it by myself or if I'm going to go to a place and watch it. Really depends how I feel probably closer to time if I can afford to stock up the 50 quid to go to the place that's been suggested to me. Eh. Could, could you Bit imagine if Ryan... Yeah. Could you imagine if Ryan's scenario happens, the Chiefs win, Reed retires, and then we lose Ben Johnson just after we think we've got him back? Uh, no, no. The, the Aaron Carnot for Kansas City is ready and waiting. The enemy's not coming back to Washington. It's all setting up nicely for him to finally get a head coaching job. Just just quickly, so I have my quick say on the game before we descend Sorry. into <laughs> other chat. Um the way that I'm pitching this is it's the league's best offensive scheme in, in the Shanahan system, which I just feel is the best iteration of anything that we've seen in the NFL because it wins any way it wants to, versus the best playoff head coach of all time in Andy Reid. Like, when it gets into January, he's exceptionally good. So you have a look at what they did to what I think is the league's best team this year in Baltimore. They t- 17-10. I don't think they conceded a point in the second half or they conceded three in the second half, whatever it was. Like, it was a clinic of how to play against one of the most awkward teams to play against in the NFL. The way that they adjust to teams in January is fantastic. Unfortunately for San Francisco, the way they adjust to teams in January is they don't and just hope for the best. And... They came up against the Packers, who actually adjusted to what they do. They came up against the Lions, who adjusted to what they do. And they fucking struggled. Like, the 49ers have limped into this. And Kansas City have something that the Packers don't have and the Lions don't have right now, which is killer instinct in this scenario, because they've been there and done that, as Anne has said. I think defensively, they're going to stifle them. I really think that Kansas City are just going to absolutely hammer them. Um, I am going to be wagering fairly heavily on this too. I expect a three-score victory for Kansas City. I think it will be at least 17 points. I don't Super know about the rest of Drew Tranquil. Oh, An interception, a sack, and a false fumble. You heard it here. He has been one of the best free agents of the whole season. He's been fantastic. Any of you guys have any other takes about the score or MVP or anything like that? I want Carl Aftis to get multiple sacks just so I can go back and dig up some of my views there and about him because he's been really good. Yeah, I'd still yeah. have loved him here, but hey-ho, it is what it is. All right. Ash, anything? MVP? See, if uh, I know I said it, it it's, it's reeking very much of my prediction before the NFC Championship game because it's basically the same plan we're discussing. If the Niners win, the Super Bowl MVP will be CMC. It's the way, only way to see him winning is yeah. if he gets going in both the pass and run game. 
But even then, it'll probably if they do win, it'll probably go to Purdy because we all know what the Super Bowl MVP votes like. He always gets to the quarterback. I'd say that'd be the first time in a long time that had not happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, oh. let's. Well, what if the Chiefs just give Chris Jones a rushing touchdown just to finish Ash's season off? We do that. There you go. He's he's done. He's done for. You just know how to push his buttons, and. <laughs> Right, let's move on to the cap situation for the Lions. Now, the best two reference points, as we know, for cap is over the cap and spot track. They have differing numbers depending on various factors and things that they track. So sometimes it's not the easiest thing to know what's going on here. So, for example, and I I haven't actually researched why this is the case, on over the cap... The Lions have 50 players total, and they have cap space of $47.7 million for 2024. According to SpotTrack, they have 50 players, but their estimated cap space is $61.1 million, which is a difference of $413.5 million. Ash, you might have the answer. Yes, I believe it's because over the cat, I know that supposedly, um, I think Spot Track only tracks the top 51, while over the cap takes into account everyone that's on the roster, including future rookie picks, all of their contracts. And I think uh, over the cap also incorporates, and it's going very deep into it. And soon I probably will have to ask Erica for a breakdown of, but you know, the whole bonuses. I think yeah. over the cap takes in says all the bonuses count and then they discard it if they don't earn them while for the spot track takes the likely to be earned not likely to be earned moniker and only counts the likely to be earned according to any contract so for example the famous one is from last season Khalif he got an ex he got an extra I think it was 50k and he got an escalator in his contract because he made it all pros upon returner over the cap automatically counted that in his contract. Spot track only counted it when it actually happened, for example. I believe that's the rough breakdown of it. Okay. So I looked into it because I was confused as well. Right. That makes sense. So uh some highlights from the roster at the moment. The number one guy per cap hit is Jared Goff, 32.3 million. I'm going off over the caps numbers now, just to be clear. Number two is Taylor Decker, 19.1. Tracy Walker is third, 12.8. Frank Ragnall, 12.8. Cam Sutton, 12.7. Aiden Hutchinson, 9.7. Sewell, 7.7. And so only 7.4. That's everyone above $7 million in terms of cap hit. Um, but obviously the, the team is working with a fair amount of space, boys. But there are a lot of people either up for renewal or there's a fair amount of players who could be extended preemptively ahead of that deal finishing. So obviously Jared Goff is is a consideration here, but also Amon Rasmus Brown, Penny Sewell, as we talked about before. I'm just going to recap the free agents that we have, just so you know what holes we might potentially have to fill for this. Obviously, we've got only three spaces on the 53, but we can go to 90 and then cut down to that. In terms of free agents... Teddy Bridgewater is retiring and Nate Sudfeld is a free agent. So there's a couple of backup calls back positions. Josh Reynolds and Donovan Peoples-Jones, both active wide receivers, come to the end of the year. One more so than another. Tight end two at the end of the year. Anthony Ferkser is a free agent. Offensive lineman-wise down skipper. Matt Nelson, Jonah Jackson, Graham Glasgow and Halapulavasi Vitae all filled a role at some point in their Lions career, some more than others. 
And then on defense, the recent acquisition, Tyson Alualu, um, Romeo Aquara and Charles Harris in the edge room, linebacker Jalen Rees-Mabin, uh, cornerbacks Emmanuel Mosley and Kindle Vildor, uh, DBs Will Harris and CJ Gardner-Johnson, kicker Michael Badgley, long snapper Jake McQuaid. They're all your unrestricted free agents. Restricted free agents, uh, David Blau, quarterback, running back Mo Ibrahim, fullback Jason Kabinda, tight end... No? Best street free agents street, that are that's people what, who are yes. on our practice squad, but because we didn't give them a futures contract, they're now eligible to sign for any team right now rather than the UFAs that have to wait for the start of free agency. Yes, yes absolutely. I misread when it said SFA. For some reason, I read RFA. Thank you. Yep, so these guys are entirely free to sign with the team straight away. Uh, Zach, it's Michael Schofield, the uh, offensive lineman, and Edge Julian Quara. Now the restricted free agents, so we can tender these guys at the restricted free agency tender. I'll get into that in a second. Tight end Brock Wright, defensive tackle Benito Jones, linebacker Anthony Pittman, cornerbacks Jerry Jacobs and Khalil Dorsey, and long snapper Scott Daly. And then the exclusive rights free agents. These are guys who, for a minimum value deal, if we tender them, must accept or sit out the season. So they do not have an option to sign anywhere else. Running back Craig Reynolds and Donovan Knight, tight end Shane Zilstra, guard Kaori Awasika, edge James Houston, and nickelback Chase Lucas. So, boys, there's a lot of people who are free agents on this team and some notable uh, gaps in the roster, never mind talking about re-signing some of our own guys. So are there any kind of obvious moves you're seeing from the uh, free agent, uh, our free agent market? Got Tracy Walker. Okay. Tracy, uh, Tracy Walker's a goner. He's got to be. It just doesn't serve a purpose that outweighs saving what eight million dollars something like that. That's a big chunk of change for a guy that no longer has a starting role on the sticks. Save five point five. Yep, that's fine. He's gone. Honestly, those those names you just read out to me. Wow, there's a lot of guys there. I see no interest in bringing back. That is. Only a few of them stand out. Uh, Glasgow, is there any more? Glasgow, but I actually think we're going to be—he's going to be too expensive. I'm pretty sure he told ESPN that he he wants to return, but he's going to get some good offers. It's okay. not the best way. No, so maybe let me go through some of those names in terms of the in terms of the free agents we have and whether we want to sign them and if we do, what value they could come back for. And then I'll come to our own guys and see whether we want to extend any of them and then we'll have our cap position. All right, so first on the list then, Jonah Jackson. Do we do we actually end up re-signing him? No. I think we do. Don't think I, we do. I'm I, I'd like to, but I think he goes elsewhere. I think he wants to be here, but I don't think he wants to be here at the value we want to sign him at. And that's an impasse that I just don't know if we cover, even though the difference between him being fully healthy on the line and not is is massive. And I think that needs to be acknowledged. And I know that you're a big proponent of re-signing him. Do you think we can get it done? I think it can be done. I think there's a world where it happens. I just think the world has to wait until he tries free agency. And, you know, I'm not going to begrudge him trying for... I'm not begrudge any player trying free agency to see what they can get on the open market. So let him have a look, see if he, see what he likes, see what he wants with the team. But 
I think they will. I think I, I think we will end up bringing him back because you know again the whole ethos of this team is to draft, develop, pay, and providing it's not they won't overpay him. I'm I'm, I'm never gonna I'm never gonna go in with an assumption that they're gonna overpay somebody. They're just not gonna do that. They know the value. They'll give you your value if you don't want it. Take a hike. So they'll have given him his value. I think we can do a deal with him. I think he likes it here. I think he's on part of a really good offensive line. He gets a chance to shine. And he's got a good chance of a Lombardi here as well. So we'll see whether he's about the money or the play. But I, th I think there is a, a world where he ends up here. And I would like to see him back. Outside of this year, like, he's been very rarely injured. And he's always played well for us. And like with quarterback, you can soon regress on the offensive line. I, I, I tend to like to keep the good guys around whilst I can. So I hope so. I hope so as well. I agree with you. If we do, it come he comes back on a team-friendly deal, frankly. Lisa says, Jonah Wall's top five money. I don't see it happening. He's already turned down a top 10 offer, Anthony. Uh, I mean, reportedly so, but obviously we don't know the full ins and outs of what's going on there either, I'll so it's hard to judge. Is Jonah the only serious candidate for the tag? The franchise tag for Jonah Jackson is $21.7 million. He gets oh, an offensive line. Who was on tag. play with his tag? It's a trivia question. I That's got to no be a idea. long time, on it? Ooh. I mean, we didn't even tag Sue. No. Yeah, and again, and, and again, this stuff with Jonah. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna deal in here saying crap until beforehand. Like, I'm sure. just not gonna turn on every single guy here. Like, it was the same with Kenny. I know Kenny did turn an offer down, but I understood why Kenny turned an offer down. It's the same. I'm not gonna black market guy because he turns down a contract here. This is a business. Teams treat players like business. Players have the right to do the same. At the end of the day, if he comes back and plays, well, I don't care. So I'm not going to blacklist him for that. So the Lions have only used the franchise tag five times in team history since it was introduced in 1993. Lomas Brown in 1995, Robert Porcher in 2000, Corey Redding in 2007, 2012 Cliff Averill, and then 2018, Ziggy Answer. Oh, yeah. Good shout. Okay. So I think the three of us believe that Jonah Jackson will not happen. So for the sake of this exercise, I'm going to say he's not coming back. Josh Reynolds. I'm not. I'll make him an offer. I'd like to keep him here. I think one year wide receiver, four or five money. I'd give him one year, yeah. Um, What's he on at the minute? Um, oh, I think he was it. on a. Did we give him a two-year year deal? Didn't we? Yeah, I think he was on two years eight. Give me one. That looks. Oh. That sounds. That sounds about one year, and one year, three and a half. See, I think the thing is, Raymond is Raymond under contract next year. Uh, yeah. I believe so. Raymond is yeah uh, yeah he's got two oh yeah he's got yeah he's got one more he's under contract next year he's for... he's on the cap for three point two five million yeah the thing is I do want yeah. new blood in the receiver room and but I don't want to you know when if Raymond and him are both here that kind of makes it a little less likely. They do different roles, though. Yeah, so they're very... Uh, so it's different. The, the, no, I just mean in terms of fleshing out the wide receiver roster. Like, true, yeah. For John, I, I, I'd oh, want, yeah. I'd want oh, yeah. blood in terms of someone of Reynolds' build. So Reynolds was two years six. Yeah. 
So it's, I could it's... see one year three, one year three yeah. and a half. Yeah. And then... But it's, Cons- here's the thing. I think I've just realized it because I've just looked. I'm actually siding now not because we drafted his replacement last year. Oh, Antoine, Antoine Green. Green. I could and... see them giving him a chance. Well, oh, Green, okay. it, it, in camp, sure. Yeah. So, again, like Brad mentioned this, you, you know, all the receipts he was getting about people being called busts and that. There's a reason you grade a draft class after three three years. Like, you know, because I know if he's only had like half a good season because of what got him, but after three years, he's now a starter on your roster and he's a cornerstone going forward. So successful draft pick. Doesn't matter about the last two and a half years. With Green, with Broderick, with guys like that, it doesn't matter if they've not seen the field yet. I don't care two hoots. As long as they're there after three years and are contributing to this team, then it has been a success. So, you know, Antoine is still around. Like, he's not shown a penchant for not cutting his seventh-round picks. And, like, they're kind of the only guys who were gotten rid of in the system by Brad at the minute. And even now, Jamar's still clinging on. Like, he's still here. Yeah. So... He will get his opportunity eventually. He has some some time on the field and got some throws. So this is why you've developed Green, like to come in and fill these depth spots out. And you know, Randall L has shown great, you know, skill to getting these guys up and ready. So I'm just gonna take time. Like seventh round pick, it's gonna take time. Absolutely. I, I 100 percent agree with that. But I will say, and I mean it depends what stock you put in stuff like over the cap valuations, but I do think it highlights the difference between contract value and what his production is perceived as in terms of monetary value and the difference between those two things. He was on the cap for four million last year, Reynolds, because it went two four, one year, two year. His OTC valuation for last year's production was $9.25 million. And if you think about what actually happened this season, okay, outside of one bad game happened to be the most important one, but never mind. He had 19 games where he was, if it wasn't Amon Ra or Sam Laporta getting it, he was making some big catches in some big positions. I think they're going to prioritise Josh Reynolds. And a lot of people reacted to him dropping some balls in the NFC Championship game and are saying, "Getting get rid, because if you can't do it then, then we can't trust you in that spot 12 months from now. But without those catches, maybe we don't get there. Everyone was saying about, you know the decision made by Dan Campbell and, you know, whether you should go for it on fourth down and whatever. And it's like, okay, but without him doing that, maybe we don't get there at all. And the same is true for Josh. Like, if you want to go on sample size, his year was very good, especially considering where we thought he would be at the start of the season. So if we can bring him back on the same AAV for one year, I think they jump it, frankly. But Brad, has, you know, the one thing I took away from what you talked about earlier is don't expect to understand the process now. Like sure. you're going to oh, extend yeah. it. And he made it very much sound like there were going to be unpopular decisions made, like that would not be understood now, whether it be not spending in free agency, whether it be letting players they like go, etc. Like, I think those are the big calls you've got to make. Um, because, yeah, we, we, we might not have got there without him, but he's been to big games twice now and balls up twice. Like you've got to make some punishing decisions about these guys, whether they can do it when it really matters. So like you've got to, and he keeps saying you, you keep getting better. This is a business. You've got to keep getting better. So I think some yeah. of these fan favorite types are for the chop. Could well be true. 
And I think maybe we can get more into what we think the roster is going to be, especially come the summer and the cut down from 90 to 53. Um, and I think now I should say probably for this exercise and with the idea of maybe getting this show in in under two and a half hours, I think we can probably say, and with the audience that we have and that we've built and they know who we are, that if we say not coming back, coming back, that the the standard kind of stuff that we might say of, oh, but if it's a team for any deal, this and whatever, like all of those prerequisites for what we're saying with all these picks are already inserted into every one we say. And just for the purpose of the exercise of trying to figure out where we are for cap, let's just make some lightning decisions on what you think the most likely thing is going to happen. Or maybe I pitch you a deal and you can counter and we decide on what we're going to do from there just to kind of get this going because we've got yeah. quite a few decisions to get through and we we could be here all night if we debate them as hotly as we have done with Jonah. So uh, uh, Jonah and, and Josh Reynolds. So Josh Reynolds, $3 million deal. Do you think that happens? Yes, I'll bring him yeah. back on that. Okay, all right. In terms of the actual structure of it, I have no idea. So I will just uh, put his base salary at $3 million and we'll get on with life. Will Harris? Yes. No. Oh, oh. Wait, what? Me? No. no, I'm no. Will Harris? Bye, Will. You think he'll be back? Yeah. No. Even me, his staunchest defender, doesn't that, think he's going to be back. That's completely here. He's not going to. He's not going to get it's a better off. offer anywhere else. He's coming see, back. See, I, this is the reason I say he's not coming back. He had chances to play. We earned instead. We brought in Kindle Vildor to play over him. The only reason he came back is because he had that lovely um, cap exemption that basically meant he could be on a cheaper deal than what he was getting paid. So we did him for that. He's got, he's he's not coming. I don't think he's coming back because that's over now. We're gonna move. You said that you need you said they need the secondary need to revamp. Why not start with the only guy in the secondary that I was defending properly that everyone else hated? There, Did there is we need to upgrade on him. There is a Quantes Stigger sized hole in the Canadian Football League that he can go and fill. Exactly. Bye, Will. See you north of the border. Yeah, I'm I'm with Will Harris not coming back. But I can see the route for it, as Ryan is saying. If they offer him a vet minimum deal, I, I can see them doing that. I mean, they were glowing on him in terms of the utility he provides and the backup he provides. And it's not like he was inactive at any point during the season. He had 12 snaps after the bye, I believe. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, in, and, and that's when we've been absolutely bereft of corners. That's when Vildor got off his sofa and decided to come and play with us and play at a high level. Like he's not even, he doesn't even have a justifiable case for backup anymore. Like that's right. gone. Let's move on from all Harris. Three no's and a yes is no. Donovan Peoples Jones. No. no. No for me as well. For camp. See, for I'm camp. intrigued. Like I would be intrigued about bringing DPJ back. I'd bring him back for vet min, but I don't know whether the We're team... We're not allowed to do that. You, oh. you, your ground rule said we're not allowed to. All right, okay, he's not We've got to say yes or no. I said okay. yes. I, I'm, I'm meant to be pitching to you so that then there's an odd number for, for people so we get a decision either way. Okay, vet min deal for DPJ, yes, no? Yes. No. Yes for camp. I'll let him battle it out on vet min. 
All right, coming back for Vetmin, 1.125 million for DPJ. Jerry Jacobs, restricted free agent. Restricted free agent tender, first round 6.5 million, second round 4.6 million. Right of first refusal tender, $2.8 million, or you can just extend at a lower level. I will pitch him at a right of first refusal tender, $2.8 million. Yes, no. Right. Yeah. I would give him a right of refusal yeah. first tender. Right. I'd offer him yeah. it, but I don't think he'll take it. I think I'm, he tested the market. I think he needs to change the scene, right? I'm putting him in at the right of first refusal tender, um, but... There we go. I think with the restricted free agent, I think he has to accept the tender. I don't think he gets um, an option. Uh, if the, if this player, uh, this is because I'm using Eric's article that we're obviously using. If these players offer the tender by the Lions, the player can accept the one-year deal, or they can negotiate a contract with another team during the free agency period. Suppose an agreement with another organization is reached. In that case, the Lions have the option to match the offer or allow the player to sign elsewhere and receive the appropriate compensation for the tender. Yeah. So, so if it's first, second, or right first refusal, right first refusal was no compensation or first or second round yeah. pick in those tender positions. Yes. Yes. So right first refusal is coming back at 2.8 and then he's open to signing a deal elsewhere. So he still tests the market in that scenario. I think that makes sense either way. Kindle Vildor, unrestricted free agent. I'm going to pitch this yeah. at 1.5 million. I'd bring him back. Yes. For that, probably, yeah. yeah. So. He's eligible for one and an eighth million dollars, one point one two five million. So I'm bringing him back for one point five. I think that represents really good value actually for him. Tyson Alu Alu, thirty seven years old, unrestricted free agent. No, Bet he, vet, even then, no, we just brought in as a stabilizing force while Aleem's here. He's unfortunately gone. Yeah, unfortunately we, gone. We, we're going to get Jason Newton in the draft, and this won't matter. That's what we're right doing. now. I think, yeah. I think he bring. I think he comes back if he's offered that. Two no's, one yes is a no. Brock Wright, restricted free agent, twenty six years old, same tenders, six point four for first, four point six for second, two point eight for restricted, or you can extend him at a cheaper level. I am putting this less than the tender. I'm going to say Brock Wright would potentially accept one point five million. I think they yes. to do a deal with yeah. him. Oh yeah, Bang the table. I'll take him at the two point two. They are yeah. RFA. My flag just fell for the first time in months. Right. Uh, okay. I'll I'll go up. I'll go up to two. I'll go up to two. Jalen Reeves may be an unrestricted free agent. Absolutely. Yeah. He's more than yes. 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 I, yes. I, I am going to pitch Jalen Reeves may be at three point five million dollars. Yes. 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 I think he gets multiple years. Yeah, give him more years and less per year. Two two years, six two and years. a half. Two six is fine. Two years, five million. He's on more than that now. Yeah, but, you know, he loves Detroit. Two years, seven million. No, two I six. Think... Two six. Two yeah. six is very generous. I'm setting it at two six and a half. Yep. Correct. Correct. The only reason being, Ant, is that I just feel like he's performed so well on the contract that he's had that I think he'll ask for more, and I don't think he'll accept less. He's already left already once on the basis of money. Exactly. So you should be like, well, you can go out and get your money again and be left to flounder on a team, or you can come here and be part of a team. We've given him a second chance. Like, he chased the money, and then we took him back, and we've given him an opportunity. He owes this team a lot. 
So I don't think he's in a position to be there demanding big sums of money. If two he years, is, then he can walk again. I've I brought him back for two years, six and a half, because I've got two other yeses. So that's that fine. Is... You can guarantee some of it and some incentives and that. That's <laughs> fine. Ferk, sir, unrestricted free agent, 29 years old. No, bye. No. Oh, got a no without even tendering him. All right, cool. Matt Nelson, yeah. unrestricted free agent. Bye. No. He's gone. Benito, Benito Jones, restricted free agent. I'm pitching this <coughs> at one year, 1.6 million. Yes. For his dress attire alone, yes. True, yeah. I've got a fact, I've got a fact for that in. If I'm allowed to have germ, then ants are allowed to have We've got we to we factor in how well the man dappers yeah. up. Exactly. Jake McQuaid. I'm pitching this at Vetmin. Long snappers is your forte, so we'll we'll you know we'll defer to leave this. We'll defer to Matt on long snapper <laughs> issues. I think he's brought in for camp, and I think he loses to Scott Daly. I think Scott Daly yeah. was a better long snapper, but for the purposes of the exercise, I think he would be signed in ahead of camp. I bring them both back. You need yeah. continuity of a snapper. One point two one million. That is Dan Skipper, unrestricted free agent, thirty years old. Pitching this again. You know what? I love Dan. No. I, 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 Dan's wormed his way in there. Like, yeah. He's a cult hero at this point. Yeah. What? Yeah. So the unrestricted free agent amount, uh, sorry, the, the, the cap uh, minimum for him is 1.125 million. So that's the deal. Yes, no. Yes. He comes back then. Coyote, our seeker. Exclusive rights free agent. The tender is nine hundred and eighty-five grand. If you sign him for that, he can't say no. There is no option. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We need him. Yeah. Craig Reynolds is in the same boat. Same amount of money. Nine hundred eighty-five grand. No. Yes. I think he gets brought in at least for camp. Craig Reynolds. I want to run him back in the draft. Well, I do too, but. But even if we do, exclusive rights free agent, I think you can ca uh, cut and they don't get any money. So it's, it's, a no yeah, still no. it's a no risk signing. Still no. Yes, yeah, on teams. paper, yeah. Yeah, special, special teams. Yeah, there's that. Special too. teams decide to part of the roster. Scott Daly, restricted free agent, pitching this at vet minimum. Yes. Yeah, we've got to have a battle. 1.05 million coming back. Shane's Illustrate exclusive rights. No. 985 grand. No. The camp, yes. I mean, how healthy, how healthy is he? Like, that's got to be the first thing. True, yeah. You need to see his medicals before you make I a decision on that. Think he, I think he had a similar injury to Dre Travins into, so he'll probably be just about getting fit for camp, I think. He, he suffered oh, it right. at the end of camp, didn't he? So he'll yeah, definitely be fit probably for the start of training camp. I think he comes back, at least for camp. And if he's medically not there, you cut him for free. If he's yeah. if he's one of the names on our practice squad next year, I would not be surprised. I agree with that yeah, wholeheartedly. Exactly, yeah, but th this is about getting to 90, because they're only going to top the count the top 51 anyway at the mm. moment. So signing him. Michael Bantrally, unrestricted free agent. No, I'm, no, I'm drafting a guy. Right, Bam Knight, exclusive rights free agent, nine hundred eighty-five grand. I would say he's yes. a camp body. Yeah, yeah, camp body. Easy. James Houston, and can I say this from the rafters? 
exclusive rights free agent doesn't have any choice in the matter 985 grand yeah yes let him work on the run defense and coverage are we going to resign james houston they say on twitter of course we are he's got no choice 985 grand anthony pittman restricted free agent no. Uh, I'm going to pitch this at 2.5 million, just under the Ooh. restricted free agent. No, 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 no. That'd be a no, no. then. Khalil Dorsey, restricted free agent. I'm going to pitch this at 1.5 million, just above no. the. No, not for, not for keeping Vildor and Jerry. No. Yes, because Vildor doesn't do gunner duties and Dorsey doesn't. He's our backup kick and punt returner. Again, special team decides to bottom the roster and on a 90 camp. I would be with Ash, but I don't count and we're overruled by the other two. So he is not coming back. Nate Sudfeld, unrestricted free agent. Bye. Does he still exist? He was seen He's, quite recently in the Lions yeah. facility. But yeah. Uh, Chase Lucas, exclusive rights free agent. Again, can cut him with no penalty if you do it. 985 grand. Yes, no. special teams again. No, no, I, you give him a go. Game. Give him a go. Let him battle it out. I, I agree with you guys. Coming back 985 grand. Right, that is all of our free agents. Now let's go through the team and see if we can find some cuts or some extensions. So, Jared Goff on the cap for $32.3 million in his final year. Does he get extended? Yes. Yes. Okay. Extend. What are we doing with his deal? In an ideal world, you add two years on to the year he's already got and yep. you make it three. Okay. And I think you add... 45 million per? Two I, I'd, I'd say near... Million. I'd put him up near a 50. I'd put him up at something like 47 and a half. 95 mil, two... Ash, uh, Ryan saying. Yeah. And you yeah, send for two out? years, for two years extra in addition to what he's already got, and that's three <laughs> years uh, that you've got him under four there. Ninety-five million. Okay, so for prorated bonus. Oh, why can't I change that? Okay, I'm just going to have to do the salary numbers to make this work. Okay, so uh, for ninety-five million. Should I just do a straight forty-seven and a half each year? Yeah, and yeah. just keep him on his current deal for next year. So it doesn't actually affect our cap at all this year, but that's at least done. Taylor Decker saved $9.8 million with a cut, $19.1 million on the cap. Resign, extend, leave as is. Leave. Leave, leave for now, yeah. Yeah. Tracy Walker, $12.8 million on the cap, saved $5.5 million with a cut. 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 The, uh... Sorry, Tracy. I love him, but he was inactive for the last four games of the year. I think it's twelve million is too much money for a safety we're not using. Like it's just yeah. weight. Five and a half. That is good money there to be able to give to somebody else. Uh, if he's there, Kirby's there. You got these guys there now. Yeah. Um Frank Ragnow, I think we can skip over. We've discussed him. He may not even see out the current deals. There's no value there in changing any of that. Cam Sutton, 12.7 million on the cap. You lose. Five million on the cap if you cut him. So you actually eat much more money by cutting him. I don't think there's cap any options points. here. There's no options here, is there? Just leave him. Just leave Provide him. Me. 
You, you replace him, you bump him down to Cormac too. Yeah. Yeah. You just yeah. draft the draft the new guys this year and then build them up for when he's due to leave. Aiden Hutchinson, uh, there's no option yet. He can't be extended. Penne Sewell on the cap for 7.7 7 million. I would suggest here that they follow the Frank Ragnall route and they take the fifth-year option and at the end of year four, they sign him to an extension which includes a fifth-year option as part of the deal. So I don't think we do need to do anything with him at the moment. That is my suggestion. Invoke the fifth year this year, though, don't you? Invoke the fifth year this year, re-sign him next year ahead of the fifth year option, but include the fifth year in the deal because Frank played out his fifth yeah. year option because the deal yeah. then was effective after the contract finished. Is that what Packers are doing with John Love? No, 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 no. They they already him, signed him into a deal. Yeah, I mean, they declined with, the option. I think then... with Penne, you've got to get the deal done sooner rather than later, even if it is a delayed introduction. I think. I think oh, yeah, the de- I think the deal's done this off season. Okay. I do like he's had three terrific years. I think they'll do it because I think they'll want to reward the cornerstones. Like he's a guy you've got to have here for his entire career. Yeah, so I, you've got I to make him feel that like that as well. So I'm, yeah, I'm not, for the yeah. sake of the for the sake of the cap, actually not changing this yeah, year. I'm just no, going to leave it. Yeah, not changing this year, but he'll get his deal this year. Alex Anzalone, seven point four million, save eight hundred and fifty grand with a cut. No. Leave him. David Montgomery, 6.8 million, save 400 grand with a cut. Leave him. Don't touch. John Kaminsky, 6.3 million against the cap, save 4.6 million with a cut. And I think this is. I'm tempted to ask him to take a pay cut. Are we structure? I think he's played well enough that the team are going to say you've earned it, but the amount of money to save is so high that... See, uh, the fact that you've got such... If you're cutting him, you're cutting your nose to spite your face, aren't you? Yeah. I I think the fact that you've got the longevity with the deal here and we're in a favourable sitch puts him in favour for a restructure. Like, you cut his cap this year, and even if you do move a bit, punt a bit of money down the line, it's still not going to cost you much like next year to cut him either. I think they might restructure that just to free up a bit of money. I That's actually I feel like can't with restructure on over the cap, whereas you can with spot tracks. Spot and track, the, yeah. the next time with spot tracks, leave, leave him for now. Yeah, Jameson Williams, there's nothing to be done. Uh, Jameer Gibbs, nothing to be done. Jack Fox on the cap for four million dollars, and you lose six hundred and fifty-eight thousand if you cut him. So obviously he's when staying around. How long has he got left? I think he's got another two, two years. Two years, I think, yeah. He's under contract three last year, didn't we? Yeah, he's under contract until the end of 2026. Oh, so that's... Yeah, okay, three, so Halapulavati Vitae is on here because his deal had a void year on it and it just hasn't voided this time, so I'm putting him down as a cut because he's not going to be on the roster. Romeo Aquara is the same, 3.5 million, so he is gone as well. Jack Campbell, there's nothing to do with him. Khalif Raymond on the cap for 3.25 million. You lose 2.8 million with a cut. I think that's because there's a void year on there. So this is his last year. There's 2.8 million dead next year. Uh, Would you want to do anything with that? Like extend? No. Just not touch. I would leave it as well. Levi Onzerike, 2.6 million on the cap. Save 1.77 million with a cut. I'd feel really bad cutting him, but that's it's a big figure. 
and the D line, well, frankly, is barren. I'm gonna. I'll leave him. I'll I'll, I'll give him a shot this year. I wow! Think I think you. I do. I think you ride out this rookie deal because mm. it's not offensive to the cap, and and at worst, you're giving him a shot to work his rookie deal. This is basically his first actual season of football. Yeah, like when he's not going to have anything hanging over it's like him. The pick and I never liked him, but yeah, we'll get, I'll give him a go. He's always had his issues, but this year, hopefully, it's just a fresh start. So let him ride his rookie deal out. Yeah, I think I'm with you. I'm just, I was just shocked by Ryan's take because he's been so down on Levi. But people surprise you. Anyway, Sam Laporta, Josh Pascal, no action to be taken. CJGJ has two million dead. I'm setting him as a cut. Do you want to bring him back? No. In fact, I didn't even ask whether you wanted to bring Romeo back, but I'm I'm no. assuming not. I love yeah. the guy, but no. If you go on Twitter and Instagram, like I said, the, the whole bring back Gardner Johnson debate, oof, I just stay out of that because you get attacked Same, yeah. if you say no. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I'm not bringing him back at any level. Charles Harris, Charles Harris oh. has two million dead on there. I'm not bringing him back. Inactive for a reason. Bye. Brian Branch can't do anything with him. Aleem McNeil is eligible for an extension. Going into the final year of his deal, he's on the cap for $1.6 million. I'm paying Aliyah a lot of money. Are you replacing the current year? Are you tacking it on to the end? Oh, you let him see out his rookie deal and then tack on. Like, Aliyah's a long-term player here, so it doesn't. you're not really rushing with house money or anything with it. Let him serve his rookie deal and then give him his just rewards after because, like, yeah. yeah, if he has a superstar year this year, like if he proper breaks out this year, his his price tag's going to go through the absolute Kim roof. I think at this point now you're going to get really good value with him, but I would still pay him a lot of money. Since it's not going to affect the cap this year, I'm just going to leave him for now for the sake of time. Graham Glasgow, are you bringing him back? Yes. I'm, I'm going to... If it's not too high. You pitch, yeah, pitch us a, pitch us a contract. Yeah. Okay, um, so Graham's current deal was one year with a void year, four point one five million dollars. That was the current deal. So one. I am pitching. I think you're going to have to give him seven, eight million dollars a year. Maybe I two, could live with two, seven. Two I, I was about to say I seven. could live with seven. So I was no going to. I that. was going to pitch seven years fourteen. No, not his age. I'd give him one year deals. I was going to pitch you 7.5, so I feel good at Ant's figure being slightly below that as being the sort of right figure. Because I, with respect, I think, Ant, you're slightly more conservative on your cap numbers than, than most people, I would say. I, give him that. I don't know if he'll take it, but I'll offer him it. I think it's in his best interest. Yeah, I'm not paying more than that. If not, then I, I go through the draft and I get a guy. It's like it's... You can start. Like you say, Vitae, God, it's his job if you want it. Yeah. So he'll get a good year start, and he's on a contending team as well. So got to take that into account. And you know, we gave him another opportunity. He was out in the wilderness before he came back here. So okay, I've extended him. If Arsimalafomu is also eligible for an extension, he's on the cap for one point four million. You know, no, we if I wait till his deal's high. done. Yeah. yeah, I wait got, as well. You've got to see yeah. another year of steady. You've got to see a year of steady production. Yeah, exactly. Risk overpaying him a bit next year then at least you've got your final visual on him. There might be quite a lot here where I'm just saying, actually, 
there's nothing more we can do because we're going to tack it onto the end of the deal. But there's one guy coming up. I'm not sure that applies to. Right, Kirby Joseph on for 1.4 million. You can't do anything there because it's only his second year gone. Hendon Hooker, first year gone, 1.3 million. He is, can't do anything with that. Amon Ra St. Brown, who is on less money than Hendon Hooker, which is interesting. Give him one, his bag. 1.25 yeah. million. Of, do you re-sign him effective this year? Or do you you've got to. You've you've got, got to. You can't tackle these deals on. Like, yeah. if you tack all these deals on, then the price in 2025 is going to be fucking astronomical. Like, you've got to stagger these out, which is why we've got a good, we've got a fair good amount of cap this year. But that cap's going to be there to absorb some of these bigger deals to start off with. I think in Amon Ra's case, Beans, he's only got four years. It is his last year next year. You wrap him up right now. And right. you pay him. A lot of contracts are going to get handed out next year, receiver. You Let want that contract out before Justin Jefferson gets paid, because if Justin Jefferson gets paid, Amon Ra's bill goes up further. Yeah. Yeah. Lab, guys like that, they're going to probably command a huge price. Yeah, Brad's Brad's got to be Brad's got to be diligent with this and do it quickly. Like okay, I think yeah. you announce this before anybody else. Yeah, let me pitch to now. you the contract that I have for him. Go on, four years. Mm -hmm. $106 million, $60 million guaranteed. What's that? that 20, 26 and, and, a and a half. 20, 26 and a half. Oh, 26 and a half, yeah, sorry. That is what I think you'll get. And I, 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 I think that's very high, but if you have a look at him, he's been a top three wide receiver in PFF grade in two straight years. For us, he's invaluable. Like, he's completely invaluable. You can't put a price on that. In terms of the negotiation he has all the leverage you know i would i would maybe go longer i would put five years in there and i would bring it maybe down a little bit like try and get it down to 24 million over five years something like that give him that enticement to stay and give him the longevity of the contract as well i'd give him five years okay five so years. five years 20 mil 120, that puts it 24 a year. I'm giving 22 and a half a year for five years. I think that's 115. That's 110. I think he would... 10 million, five years is my offer. I think he would reject it. Possibly. I think you put if you put high guarantees in there, you don't. Okay. I would be putting very high guarantees in his, his deal, whatever. All right. I would I, be... let, let's go all the way in. Let's go all the way in on this. You can have four, the previous deal I offered, four years, 106, 60 mil guaranteed. Or you can have five years, 110 million dollars. So only four million dollars more for an extra year. Fully, fully guaranteed. Oh, give me four years. <laughs> I mean, the I thing is, I, I think if you done. want... So I, I think that's where the wide receiver market is going. He's just as important to us as any X receiver in the league. I don't care about the position. I don't think he is either. And given how he sees respect and how he... You've got to respect him in see, the deal. Got to respect so him in the deal. That's why I think you guarantee him the money. Yeah. I don't... Because... I don't need to give him bonuses. I don't need for, to me to say to him, you've got to earn this bonus because I know already 
that he it's works his ass off and he will earn it. Like yeah. he does nothing but go out there and earn it. So I wouldn't insult him by offering bonuses. I would just say, look, you've got this big deal. Maybe it's two or three million below your market value, but we're giving you everything. We're not going to cut you after a few years and you're going to lose a lot of it. You're going to get every penny of that. Like yeah. that's what so, I would do with him. Yeah. So the 26 million, because obviously, you know, I like added context. That'll put him in is currently based on right now. If it's signed, if we find out in five minutes, it's signed in its exact terms. 26 million will roughly place him as the wide receiver nine in terms of pay above Devontae Adams, DK Metcalf. But yes, even the deals for that are coming. receiver three production and with the yeah, exactly. And yeah. Justin Jefferson's about to get paid. CD Lamb's about Lamb's to get paid. To get like Jamar, Jamar Chase is like eligible for an extension next year. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I think I think Jamar the 26 is. is very reasonable. I yeah, do. Really I is, think yeah. it's very reasonable to guarantee that because he'll be down to, to, to guarantee receiver. what in full. Yeah. I would. I would guarantee him as well. I would guarantee him the vast majority of it, like 110, uh, whatever. Yeah, okay, be 90. Okay, okay. Here we go. The two deals then four years, 106, which is 26 and a half million, or five years, 125, 100 mil guaranteed. Yeah, I do that. I do the five years. I do the five years as well. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. what, what would a five year one work out as? AAV? 25. 25. 25 That's why million. I pitched it at that. Uh, that would be wide receiver 10. Just below, just below Adams. Yeah, either way, that's like it's peanuts. Give him, give him whatever he wants. If he wants, and these are the guys deal. above him probably haven't got that amount of guaranteed on the deals either. Yeah, he'll probably so, have one of the biggest guaranteed deals out yeah. of all wide receivers. So the ones above him is Keenan Allen, who honestly actually might be cut this off season, depending on who you ask. So I know he wants to come back, but they're trying to rebuild. Mike Williams. Somehow the charges of two wide receivers over 30 million cap hits this year. Tyreek Hill, Cooper Cup, Debo Samuel, Stefan Diggs, Tyler Lockett, Chris Godwin, and Devontae Adams. How many of those can you argue right now are better than MRR St. Brown? And I think we're going to see a regression in the receiver contract market because with the amount of receivers that are flooding the draft at the minute, the young rookies... I think you're going to see a regret because Justin Jefferson's going to reset it because the Vikings yeah. are idiots and he is one of the best receivers like ever of our generation anyhow. But after that, I think he'll be a unicorn amongst receivers for his contracts. I don't think anyone else, maybe outside of Chase, will get close. And I think you'll see t- the numbers will go yeah. down because teams will just go to the draft and they'll restock. Instead of paying 35, 40 million for a receiver, they'll go, right, I'll go draft one. So right. he, he, for him, it's great long-term longevity as well. Like it'll protect against any crash in the market. I'm just trying to work out the numbers to make it work. Give me a second. Uh, let's cap it. So let me have a look. At, where was it? Guaranteed. Okay, I, th- I think I've got it basically right. So uh, the cap hit will t- change to $8.25 million in 2024 as he gets $35 million as a signing bonus but he gets it all yeah. basically guaranteed. So he'll still get all the money. It's just, it spreads out the cap hit a little bit more, makes it a bit more team friendly. I've tried to put in a void year as well, but over the cap doesn't like it. But basically the cap numbers then go 28, 28, 28, 35. Which I think is fine. Right. There we go. Done. Amon Ra signed long-term. Derek Barnes eligible for an extension, 1.25 million on the cap at the moment. I, I would ride that out personally. Yeah, ride, ride it out. It. See what see what you can do. Broderick is who he is, and then we've got lots of people who 
are signing futures deals. And so there's not really much to talk about here, I don't think. I'm just having a look through now. That is everyone gone. So we've signed everyone we want to sign and bring back people for camp. We've cut everyone we want to cut. We extend everyone we want to extend. There's the Futures Deals guys on there as well. So Chris Smith and Brandon Joseph that we talked about earlier. We have 66 players under contract and the top 51 coming at $217 million. That means that we have $27.2 million of cap space under the top 51. If you had a look at 53, I think 53rd man gets about a million dollars each. So we would have $25.2 million effective cap space moving forward. So when you're talking about the draft picks that we have and the players that they replace on the roster, the cost of the Lions draft at the moment if we stay where we are and have all the picks we have and they replace a man on the roster at a million dollars or roughly there or thereabouts, the cost of the Lions draft is $3 million. So we can take that cap number down to $22.2 million. That is the available room we have next year with the extensions and the cuts and everything. So what does that mean, boys, for the Lions in the off-season? How much room does that give us, really, to do some deals? I mean, that's... it gives us room to do our plan, though. Like, we've got the money to extend our guys and keep drafting them. Yeah. And that's always been the that's always been the end game with Holmes and this team. Just keep drafting well, keep paying. Then that kind of sort of pays for itself in the long run. If you've got a lot of talented rookies on rookie deals, that means you can pay more of your guys when they get to it. And then you can work around it, so... Yeah, I don't think we're going to see anything major. Um, but again, we don't need to. Like in three years, we've gone from a bottom feeder to an NFC Championship team this method. We've not needed to spend splash in free agency. We've not jumped the process. So yeah, it's it's going to be fun. We'll probably have it. You've got to flesh out your team a little bit through free agency. But I don't even think we'll see a Cam Light deal this year. I think that we... so. We know that Holmes likes to keep about 7 to 10 million back for in-season moves. We've seen from this season, you need that space. You get injuries, you need to resign guys. Like, it absolutely happens. And if you have a look at all of the guys that we've had on this roster that have had void years on the back end to smooth out things a little bit, one I didn't mention, Emmanuel Mosley, a million dollars. But you also had CJGJ on there for two, Charles Harris for two, Romeo for three and a half, Hal Vitae for 3.8. There are plenty of guys where we have pushed a little bit of money down the end. And I think there's plenty of room to do that here. If players become available and we can give them a one-year $6 million deal with three of that, well, with, with two of that hitting next year, only have four in the coming year, I think that absolutely happens. So I could see from our $22 million, I could see three guys being signed for $6 million each, but two each of that goes into next year. And so we actually only end up having four each hit this year's cap. That's 12 million, it leaves us with 10. So if you're looking at a David Montgomery kind of signing $6 million a year, I think that's absolutely possible. But people who want to pay high-priced interior defensive linemen for $20 million a year, it ain't happening. Matt BK is going to get what? Similar money to what we we're just discussing, maybe for Amon Ra, maybe 20, 22, 
something in that so, range. Yeah, he's going to be a lot. Like you, you, you can buy a high price free agent this year, but you're gonna have to backload the deal fairly substantially, and then that's going to run into your rookie deals that we're going to be dash, dashing out here. That's the problem, but it's still in a healthy position to be in. I mean, like next year we've got currently one point four million in dead cap. That's it. Brad's first year it was sixty seven point one. Like you still can't believe that first year the amount of debt money we had on this thing. Like that's what he had to work with, and through his diligence and that, there's very little wasted money at the moment. There's not that much in restructures. There's only about ten million. You know, Saints have that pretty much daily the way they go about things. Um, but I think we're in a good position with the cap. It's just it's not going to be in the expensive high price range that some people like to see us operate in, but gives us plenty of flexibility to do what we need to do. It's going to be cast-offs, like guys that would try to trade mostly. him and get cut. Like yeah. K.E. Elam, the Bills, they try to trade him, might cut him. That's the kind of corner Brad will go like, I'll give you $4 million for a year. Yeah. I upside the frame. That's the kind of deal I'd like to see. A yeah. young corner that's he's failed. But yeah, we'll give you a home, we'll try you out. I don't want to do Mosley. Like I say, I know people like it, but back-to-back ACL scares the life out of me. Mm-hmm. Just don't do it. I feel like they will do it, and that worries me. Please don't do it. But That's no, I would like to avoid at all costs because it's yeah. just got it's got more red flags than a vexillology contest. <laughs> just, just don't do it. But yeah, Ryan's right. That'll be the deal. We'll be we'll get guys who have been hurt looking for a you know a one year deal or prove it guys like guys who can't like Gardner Johnson. He was after a prove it deal because Philly didn't want to pay him whatever. And the best part is we'll get the best of the bunch. I reckon. I reckon we're at the point now where guys will start taking pay cuts to come here, like free agents, even if it's just a year to try themselves out. So that's probably what we'll be looking at. I don't really know who's coming off injuries who fits that regard, but yeah, there's potential to be had. Brad has found a knack finding some of these guys in free agency cheap. Yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting conundrum. And some of these decisions are so knife-edge and the implications of doing them and not doing them is massive because, you know, in this scenario, we haven't re-signed Jonah and we've got 22.2 million left. That's not a lot of money to try and re-sign him if we wanted to. And we've done everything else that we wanted to do. Now, maybe if you do re-sign Jonah, some of these other guys that you don't bring back. But I wouldn't say, guys, that our depth is exactly fantastic in the situation right now, given all that we've done and we've only got 22.2 million left. And yes, we will have a draft class to take advantage of. And hopefully that provides some of that depth. But bringing some veteran guys in, you, I mean, Brad Holmes talks about not competing in April and March and May, but competing in December and January. That was a big emphasis of it, is that he prioritised and sacrificed quality for depth, knowing that the depth would count in January. And I think that was quite telling. So maybe having this amount of cap space actually plays into his hands anyway, because he's not looking for expensive people. I actually read it exactly as you did in terms of no high price guys are coming externally. I mean, one, we don't have the room, but two, he, he doesn't want it. No, you you build your cornerstones. Like we have our cornerstone players through the draft now. We have quite a few. We probably have, when all is said and done, too many. Like eventually we're going to lose one of these guys, but that's maybe the to a trade. 
exactly. That's the problem you want to have. Um, so, and then don't forget, you know, free agencies, Brad has picked up a lot of guys who, when guys start getting cut, camp time, preseason time, like Harris, we picked up then. Like, there are people to be had when rosters get cut. Um, so, who knows? And maybe trades happen. Like, a lot of things could happen there. Nothing would surprise me with him at the moment, but it will always, first and foremost, go through the draft. They will think, who can we get in the draft? What holes can we cover? Then we'll do everything that way. So, My, my final bit on Jonah is I think he'll fall foul of this being an exceptionally strong draft for guards. I don't know if anyone has actually considered that idea of we might actually gamble on the draft because there seems to be so many good guards. Is there? Well, I think so. I wouldn't say it's exceptionally strong. Like the well, ones at the top are good, but there aren't that many of them. I would say normally that interior offensive linemen seems to be pretty weak. So maybe that's just my perception of it being stronger than average. But sure. Um, okay. What we're going to do now is we've had quite a lot of questions about expectations for next year, cat questions, other bits and pieces. We're going to take that on the post show. So if you're on the audio show right now and you want to listen to the extra time, come on to YouTube or it'll be on Twitch as well for the replay. Come and have a listen to all the questions. Guys in the chat, if you have more questions, get them in because I'm still racking them up in the chat. Most of them admittedly are by Mike the Marine, but absolutely love him for contributing big time on this. Right. Uh, people on the audio show we're signing off right now so the next show is going to be the super bowl review show and we're going to be revealing uh the award nominations for the royal alliance fourth annual uh end of the season award show so what we need is we need some suggestions for some of the award nominations we're going to be putting out some posts on twitter about who you think should be suggested in terms of nominations uh, there are also two fan votes that we do every year, which is moment of the year and play of the year. So we're going to need some suggestions. We're going to reveal who the nominations are, and we're going to discuss who the nominations should be during the show and decide on them there and then. And then the week after that will be the award show. Black tie event, of course. Um, and it is, it's one of the better shows of the year just to kind of look back at the season that was, and especially this year, the first season, I think, since we've been doing this show that has been an unmitigated success. So despite you feeling fairly sour now, thinking back at, at what's happened is, is going to be pretty sweet. So that's our plan for the next few weeks. On the College Football Podcast, they're going to be having a look back at the Shrine and Senior Bowls. So if you are draft-minded, and I mean, considering what you've just listened to, if you're not, you know, let's get on this train now. The boys are going to be talking about that, where there have been quite a lot of people to elevate their draft stock. So you're going to want to listen to those guys right there. That will be probably Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. All right. Otherwise, you can follow us on our socials on Royal Alliance UK on YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And the group of worldwide fans is Detroit Lions Fans UK, One Pride Worldwide. On our TikTok, by the way, or our Instagram Reels or YouTube Shorts, I have said to Ash that Considering what Dan Campbell was, uh, not Dan Campbell, Brad Holmes has said about account taking accountability for your takes at the time, I've tasked Ash with taking the videos of our immediate reactions to our draft picks, and we're going to be posting them. 
and we will take accountability for our techs, good or bad. And I think, I think that people will be pleasantly surprised at how many hits we had and how many good reactions we had to stuff. There's one player that we reacted badly to that I remember. But apart from that, I oh, think it was really, I said really Jameer good. Gibbs was the second best running back in the draft oh, by a long think distance. It, no, so I, don't think I think, it think was I'm safe there. I don't think it was that. Is it, it, it was the next pick, wasn't it? Oh, was it Jack? It was Jack, no. I think. Uh, I'm going, I was a, I was a Diane Henley stand. That's why I didn't hate Jack. And actually, I went back and checked. And in my second month, on my final season mock draft on the college show last year beforehand, Jack was in it. And I have recorded proof of that. Yeah. Okay. They, that was not like trading up for Broderick Martin. <laughs> but me you're, and, you're me thinking, and Ryan didn't know you're thinking was. very recent history, though. The pick we reacted to bad, most badly has not been listed yet. It was, you know what? I'm going to say it's Aline. Nope. Aline was very positive. Was it? It was one of the two. Oh, oh no. Oh no. If what was it um, was it the pick? It was it the pick why joy? Was it my first ever podcast appearance pick? I don't know. I that wasn't remember. even a player for the Lions. Yeah, but because he was starting in right after it was Levi, and we're a bit like what what like, No, oh. Levi Levi's also not the guy I'm thinking of. Jo- Josh Pascal. See, I liked Oh Sinabend. yeah, no, I, I didn't liked, like that. I liked I, didn't. I liked Josh Pascal. I didn't. But anyway, I, I, you know, so, I'll hold my hands up to that. That's fine. Anyway, if, if you want some entertainment, I do feel like the era of accountability is here and we're going to take stock. And we've been doing this for enough time that we've actually been throughout the entire regime and we can hold our hands up and say, we nailed this one and we didn't nail this one. Yeah. I think it's going to be a fun exercise. So look out for that anyway. Uh, subscribe, rate us five stars. You guys know what to do. Boys, onto the Super Bowl, end of the season and the most fun part of the season is still to come. Ash and Ryan. Cheers, boys. Thanks to everyone for listening. Let's go, Lions on Pride. On Pride. No means no, Commanders. Mm-hmm.